Broadcasting live, this is KMA Talk Radio. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of fine cigars. I like to smoke them like the Winston Churchill. Hello, good morning to all our loyal listeners, libertarians, and lovers of the leaf. I am your host this fine, foggy Saturday morning here in South Florida, KMA episode number 407, and every week i joined by my two trusted cohorts, the Southpaw from South Philly, a.k.a. the GOAT, Alex Tavella, and of course, the best producer that KMA Radio can afford and cat lover extraordinaire himself, Paul DeGracco. I got a little nervous. Hi, hi, hi. Something happened, right? We were kind of like in limbo. I thought we, yeah, were, we were in limbo. Yeah. yeah, I got a little nervous. No, it was, uh, it was my fault because I, I normally have the background screen up and it was a forward screen up. So Abe was live, but the forward screen was up. So I was like, why can't I see him? Oh, God, I, I shit my pants briefly. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm I'm joining you uh, from uh, freezing cold uh, Georgia, Brunswick, Georgia, right now, actually. And you're in Georgia for what? Whoops, sorry about that. You're in Georgia for what? Uh, that's a family thing. I want that sound. I, I don't want to. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I want the Paul Joker laugh sound bite. There it is. Again. Uh, we have a we have a family obligation. One of uh, one of Stephanie's family members uh, is having a bridal shower that we were not going to go to, but one of her family members uh, is having a health issue, and um, we wanted to be able to see that family member, so we are here, oh, wow. kind of last second to to do that to see her her family member. But it looks like everything's going to be okay. But you know, when somebody gets sick, they you know you want to make sure that they're okay. So you guys are that's okay. why we're here. You guys are like one traveling fool of a family, man. Yeah, I know. I never go anywhere. God, I got to get out. Well, especially in the pandemic. Know. Are you, Are you like, haul, did you haul all the kids too? Mm-hmm. Wow. Do, yeah. I have a question. And both dogs. Do men go to bridal showers? Only in Paul no. DeRocco's universe. Well, uh, hold okay. on. Hold on. In my lifetime, I've been to one. It was like a unisex bridal shower. But because of the pandemic. Oh, first off, let me just I know. You right there. No I know. Thing is a unisex bridal shower. Bridal. I, I understand. I mean, it's like it's like. I get it. I get it. That was that was one, and I went in protest. This one, because of the pandemic, they couldn't do the bridal shower that they wanted to do for her. So it's for my sister-in-law, and since the people that are local still wanted to do a little something, we're going to a brewery. So it's like. Uh, four guys and four girls and we're just going to the brewery with the kids and the dogs and just gonna like you know have a couple drinks and hang out so So that's the shower now let me ask this just a couple that would (laughs) jesus christ can we change the subject it's new phenomenon do men go to baby showers nope absolutely not right i do not go either but did you go what about yours what about yours paul's sentence i do not go anyway paul how many have you been to what about my what wait 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 how many have you been to, Paul? Yeah, I went to my yeah, to my, both hot. my sons at the end. Up. At the end to pick her up. 
No, to I pick her up, not... I had four kids. I went to none. No, what you were going to say, so what about mine? What about my what? Well, your son, did you go to his baby shower? Well, it's not he my baby shower. Your son was born. It was the... It, I was there. It's not true. <laughs> it's not my baby shower. It's, it's the mom's baby shower. It's not my baby shower. It was like a tradition for the men to pick them up at the end and eat a little bit of food and then go. Like, I was there for 15 minutes. Exactly. That's a tradition. You know, you gotta, like, you know, come and usually when it's at a hall, you get the gifts. You get the gifts, pick up the shit, and eat, and that's it. Yeah. It's called picking up. That's what I did. That's what I did. 15 minutes. I ate. I made a plate. I ate. I had cake. And then we left. I think but I have been invited care. to baby showers. Yeah. I have been invited to baby showers. You haven't been to any other baby shower? <laughs> Why are you asking me this? Because I know it's not true. I'm going to get stuff on the phone. I have been to another baby shower. Fuck yeah. you. Fuck <laughs> I knew it. Is anybody chiming in on this? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. There, there's no way I knew you had to have gone to a baby shower. <laughs> if men went, it would be called a sperm. That's right. <laughs> oh, good right. one. That's she right. made me, of so course. Whose baby forward. shower was it that you ended up going to? So this was before Stephanie, believe it or not. Oh, my and God. My... You were ballless before Stephanie? No. So listen, I'll tell you the situation, and maybe you'll understand. Nope. One, one of my, I've had two mentors in my life. And one of my mentors, who is a, a pretty uh, a pretty well known public address announcer, he uh, his daughter was pregnant with twins, and he reluctantly asked me. He goes, "Apparently, I have to go to this shit, and you're my best friend, so I want you to go too." So he like invited like three of his guy friends, and we sat at a table. I mean, they only invited me because I worked at Tiffany's at the time, and they knew they were going to get silver spoons from me. I think. So I gave them silver spoons with the initials of the kids' names engraved on them. So as soon but, as a dude invites me to a baby shower, he comes off the mentor list. Absolutely. <laughs> no, he, he, was, and, he was a and, great man. And considering, like, your best friend, this is your, your opportunity to be a friend and say, hey, listen, you know, we're friends. <laughs> no, men don't go to baby showers. I mean, we're friends. I, you know, I don't. <laughs> Coop, I did not play any bridal shower games. I have never played any bridal shower I, games. I call lie on that one too. I think I have never played a bridal shower game. I call that. <laughs> I no, no. I, I, I may today. I don't know. I think they may do some games. So what am I supposed to do? Say no? I'm going to be the I, asshole that won't do it. Well, people are saying your mic's on five thousand. Oh, it's loud, huh? All right, hold on. Let me. You told me it sounded good. Well, it sounds good to me. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Paul went to a bridal shower and the, he goes, "I play." I bet you they played pin the tail, pin, pin the tail on the De Croco. Right. <sighs> Just besides, there could be truth in that. I don't know how. I don't know why. See, this is my problem. I can't not tell you things. Yes. So here we I'm an idiot. Another lie. You, have, you know what? Yeah. You're right up there with my oldest daughter. My oldest daughter. I tell her there was a Hall of Fame for worst liars ever. My oldest daughter's the worst. She can't construct a lie for the life of her. I just told her, stop. I'd have more respect if you were a good liar. You're terrible. Stop doing it. <laughs> what games have you played at a bridal shower, Paul? No, I've never. I've actually never played a game at a bridal shower. You sure? Uh, I have I have guessed the weight of both of my children at the baby shower, though. So that's... And the date of their arrival. So you've played games at a baby shower? No, uh, I guess that's games at a baby shower, but never played a bridal shower. Uh, party. Wow. 
little eye-opening moment with our producer, Paul DeGrasse. I think I'm confusing bridal showers and baby showers, because I don't know that I've ever been to another bridal shower other than my... No, just my wife's. I, I went, went at the last 15 minutes bride? to pick... Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. It was the same as the baby sh- same as the baby shower. I picked her up at the end and ate food, and we went home with all the gifts. That's what the bridesmaids are for, man. They come, they do all that stuff. They're done. They're gone. I, I don't even know when and where my wife had them. Oh, I had that bri- the bridal shower. My favorite is, who's had friends that had, have had more than one bridal shower? Yeah, what's with that? My, my wife did. Oh, and care. so did her sister. So did my sister-in-law. Actually, she had one wait. in New York already. Wait, wait, wait. She had no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clarify, clarify here. She had one bridal. She had two bridal showers for the same wedding in two different places for two different parts of the country. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, yeah. I like when people oh, okay. get married, have a bridal shower, get divorced, then get remarried and have a bridal shower again. Oh, that's bullshit. Hey, listen, if I, I, I already, I mean, one, I would never get married again, but, but, but I'm going to stay with my wife forever, but uh, <laughs> she'll leave me eventually. Yeah, I was going to say, that, that could be a one-sided sentiment. Yeah, I'm not going anywhere, but, but if I ever did get married again, none of the pomp and circumstance happens again. Nobody's spending $100,000 on a wedding. We're going to a courthouse. There's not going to be a shower. There's not going to be any of that crap. I don't even think I'll have rings. Yeah, I, I'm I'm in the school of why ever get married again. It's marriage. Marriage right. is one of those things that should just be done once in life. And that's it. You know, right? If it doesn't work the first time, uh, the other person will understand. You can well, still okay. spend your life with somebody right. else, but no, no, I will correct myself because I don't believe in that. Oh, so, no, no, no. Because here's the thing: if you get married young and you don't have kids, and then you know it didn't work out because you were dumb and stupid, and then you get married again a few years down the road, and she's the right one, you want to have a family. Yeah, then you get married. Right, but what shocks me is these people like who get like midlife divorce. They have like three or four kids. They don't plan ever having kids. Why go through all that again? I, 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 I could never do it. Well, having kids at a later age, I could never imagine either. Like, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm at a later age now. Really, what's the purpose of the marriage? Right. So why get married? I agree. That's my point. If you're not really going to have kids, why get married? Well, I mean, why go through that whole routine? You could just live together in bliss and be happily ever after. And if it doesn't work out, it's just easy. You just walk away. <laughs> yeah, right. I wish somebody would have told my brother that. <laughs> I got a few friends in their third and fourth marriages. I mean, really, talk about you know, masochistic. I knew I knew a girl who was married twice and divorced twice before we were thirty. Wow. It, yeah. I mean, she's, we also call her Crazy Jessica, so she's crazy. But. but, you know, some people jump into it lightly. You know, I, I knew Brandy for I, – I met Brandy the first two weeks I moved to Florida. We were literally very close friends for five years. Then she moved in, and we dated for five years. So, I mean, you know, we had like a 10-year – Yeah, you had to shit her get off the pot. Well, you pretty much. That but I mean, I mean you know, she never really <laughs> harassed me about it, except she stuck she, – she, funny story and i won't share because i probably said it already but the first time my wife ever said anything to me about are we going to get married and whatever was literally 30 seconds before i was about to take a knee and propose wow you you guys didn't hear the story all right i'll jump into it really no it's kind of pretty pretty epic um we so like i said we're friends for five years um we lived together for five years and I, you know, I finally decided to, all right, you know, I, I you know, I, I kind of said I've seen every shade that I need to see at that point. I, this is the one I think I can spend the rest of my life with. So we, 
I got a ring. After 10 years? Well, five years we're just friends. So for five years. Okay. So, five years. Yeah, so we lived together five years. Five years. So, Still yeah. five years is a long time. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I didn't want to get married and have a divorce. I wanted to make sure it was it was the thing. So um, I go to, I, I call the Sunday house on Valentine's Day. And, and I called it literally like the day before Valentine's Day. And made it's up the, Sunday house. Just Sunday so you house. know. You're right. I called the Sunday house. And it's it's a big, like, uh, colonial townhouse in Delray Beach here, Florida, with these different cool rooms and this botanical garden behind. And they have some rooms there. People do weddings there. It's a beautiful place. And um, But Valentine's Day, you know they're done. They're, so I concoct this whole lie, how I came in from out of town. And somebody told me about that place. I wanted to propose to my wife. And they said, that's the best place. And I know it's Valentine's Day, but anyway, I get a table for two. This goes on like all day. But finally, you know, I, I, I got somebody with a compassionate heart who squeezed this thing like to a 8.30 table, 9 o'clock table on Valentine's Day. So we go. We have this beautiful dinner. And then we walk the botanical gardens in the back. And um, on the way out. It's like, a gorgeous place. It's a gorgeous place. Gorgeous the place, place is amazing. I've been there gorgeous. for brunch a bunch of times. Yeah. Gorgeous place. So on the way out, there's a gazebo. It's my wife's idea. So let's just stop and hang out here for a bit. So I think this is like where she said, maybe this is a time I should say something. So I'm in there and we're standing face to face and I got my ring in the pocket. And I'm starting to sweat and feel a little nervous. <laughs> and she goes, you know, I've never pressured you. I know you you have your own way of why. Yeah, she like preempts. I know you have your own way of thinking and I know you, you're working on your career and all this stuff. But, you know, I was just starting to think, you know, kind of be nice if we kind of got on with our lives you know and, and, and in my head i'm like is this really happening like i'm literally <laughs> holding my engagement wing and is this like the first time in all this time that she finally wants to say something about getting married and then she's like and i'm like well, well, what's the rush babe she's like, well, there's just no rush it's just you know if we want to have kids and whatnot so then i just go into total douche mode i'm like uh, but, you know, people are living longer. We don't have to start early. I'm start, I'm, I start going the other way with it. Oh, it was so funny. And, um, you know, she's trying to hold an argument without getting upset. And I'm trying to be, like, nonchalant. Like, what are you talking about? We're, we got tons of time. There's no rush. And then um, she says something to the fact, you know, you have to ask yourself this. And I said, no, nah, that's not the right question. And, it, you know, it didn't make sense to her. And she's like, what? I'm like, no, no. That's just not the right question. She's like, what are you talking about? I said, look, in a moment like this, knowing what the right question is, like, really, really important. And without, like, understanding, she's like, well, what's the right question then? And I could tell she started to get aggravated, and that's when I go down. I'm oh, no. Yeah, I said, this is the right question. Bro, first time in 10 years, she didn't know what to say for about three minutes. She thought it was a joke. <laughs> it could have been set up better. And that's, that's what we proposed on Valentine's Day at the Sunday house. That's a... Uh, uh, you... you well, well done. Plus, I mean, listen, you already, you're not doing it yet. Now all the pressure's off. You know you got a definite yes coming. Right. There's no I mean, possibility of, of, like, you know. I mean, talk about going to the very last minute of how long you could hold out. I mean, I did it to the second. To the second before a fight starts. To the second. Yeah, exactly. Right right before she leaves. <laughs> right after and five she years. Literally, she literally thought it was set up. It was a joke. She did not believe me. Yeah. <laughs> you did. That was a great improv there. You just went with the flow. I just right. went with the flow, bro. So I was very blessed to at least have a very memorable, epic uh, proposal uh, experience. So it was very cool. 
Was Mine was nothing cool. like that. <laughs> Dude, were you in doubt whether she'd say yes? Yeah. And in fact, she didn't say yes right away. No. Her, the first words out of my wife's mouth when I proposed to her were, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, that's great. Well, we talked about the story. I told you what I did. I, I, yeah. I had hired actors, friends yeah. of mine, and they kidnapped her as pirates. So they took her around for like a half hour while we got stuff set up outside by the beach. And then she showed up. She's like, what the fuck? Yeah. And I was like, and then she's like, no, uh, yes, yes. <laughs> That's pretty funny. No, I, um, I, I, you know, I, I couldn't imagine because I, I didn't think she was going to say no for any reason. It's just, you know. You know, I try to tell all my younger friends, you know, kind of getting married and having kids. There's never like that moment of like, ding, ah, it's time. You know, it's always yeah. kind of like, oh, is it, you know, do I do it? Do I not do it? You know, it's kind of like being at the edge of well, a Well, you've, you've always said that to me. And then when I told you that Stephanie was pregnant, you're like, it's just too soon. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> we, we, I mean, we've, we had been together three years. Well, maybe so, I didn't know that. I, yeah, maybe at the time. Well, you know, look, there's a lot of factors involved. You know, Brandy and I, we were kind of later. I mean, I was like 30-something, 30 34 maybe, you know. And, you know, if you want to have kids, you don't have that time. So we already kind of had that time of five years of kind of living together and not having kids. So when we got married, we just, you know. My poor that's wife, a, I got married when I was 34. Yeah. so That's yeah, why. No, that's... that's not too soon then. Yeah, my my poor wife was pregnant for six years. Straight, pretty much. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, so we kind of got it all out of the way early. I mean, that's difficult on her, but also difficult on you. Well, that's when I—that's <laughs> when I built six stores. Yeah. No, I'm not kidding. I mean, it's kind of like the same time period. It's like, oh, guess what, honey? We're pregnant again. You know what? Pompano's looking like a good new location for us. <laughs> Let me go get installed in Pompano. I'm gonna have to spend a lot of time down there. <laughs> yeah. So it kind of worked out good. So what do we got today? Today we have Hostos I, Fernandez. I, before we go to our meeting, I'd like to acknowledge, Alex, how we went out of our way to make a whole new segment for the show, but Paul wouldn't acknowledge it on the outline. That's okay. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. I, I forgot to put it in there. Yeah, I have it all ready to go. It's And Coop knows about it. I talked to Coop. We, we'll do it at the end of our Coop segment. That's because Paul hasn't come up with a new segment in four years, so I can understand. <laughs> that's well. Let's that's just, true. Let, let's just face this. The last, the, new, the last two new segments we incorporate on the show, the one we're doing today, and the Who Am I, had nothing to do with Paul. That's true. The one guy well, no. technically tasked with... The last three segments, show. including Spotlight, so, yeah. yeah including Spotlight. Three, three new segments that well, we had to came in, well, and Paul had zero to do with it. I, 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 uh, I helped come up with uh, the, the other thing that we're not doing anymore, which was, like, the, the question, like, the... Oh, Remember that was, when Adam was... it was so bad. The thing that we're not doing anymore. <laughs> yeah. That's well, your, I'm just, I came up your, with that. That's your claim to fame? The one thing that was so bad that we're not And doing I had it. something to do with who am I, how we actually do it. The logistics behind doing it. Yes, because you wanted to do it a different way. Uh, there are people that would stand up for me on this. I, I'm, I think Coop was on the conversation with us when we well, discussed you, you how we would logistically it. do okay, it. So, so maybe you changed how it was delivered. It's not like, you know... That's that's the guy who gift wraps the box that someone else goes shopping for on Christmas. <laughs> so, let's let's get to our meet your maker. Yeah. All right, let's get to our meet your maker. Wait, you give me no. Uh... Okay, here we go. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. 
I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell. It's time to meet your maker. This week on KMA, formerly of Quesada Cigars, we have our friend, Hostos Fernandez, who uh, has started a new factory called Tabacalera La Isla. And Hostos, welcome to the show. Welcome. Hi, thank you, man. I have so many questions of all the conversations you guys are having. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. I just say, hey, Hostos, how you doing? Hostos is live from the DR, I believe, right now, so he's broadcasting yeah. all the way from the Dominican Republic. But I just like to say how Paul complained, oh, thanks for not giving me any notice. You see, when I say, before we go to meet your maker, I would just say, that's your notice. That means right, right before we're going to go to this segment, I'm going to give you a few seconds and, and jab you a little bit about the outline, and, and you see not to forming. Not I to throw anybody under the bus. Yeah. Not to throw anybody under the bus, but I was answering a question from Hostos while you were ready when you were ready to go to it. So uh, I didn't want to. I didn't want to, you know, uh, th- uh, throw our, our gracious uh, guest under the bus. But I did. But you did. <laughs> but you did. It's kind of like how you don't go to baby showers, but you do. But you do. Yeah. Well, if I Here can ask go. a question before we get into it. Oh, Gil, go for um, it. I've never been to a bridal shower. The well baby done. shower, I will admit, I showed up at the end to pick him up, and I was gone. Hey, that's, that's not going to the baby shower. That's picking up. You yeah, didn't eat? The question you didn't eat? Is, no, I, no I, I had food. I just picked them up and I was gone. That was it. Because if you get in there to eat some food, then you, they sit you down. They that's start right. asking you a bunch of questions. Then you're technically there. He is right. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, regarding the uh, the bridal shower, nobody asked Paul. He went to both? <laughs> Good point. For my, for my wife, I picked her up at both, yeah. And you had a meal yes, at both. Yes, I did. Changing the story a little bit now. And you, you had know? a meal at both. Well, at least Allison's standing up for me. She said, Paul's the bus driver. That's right. I was I was picking her up, taking go. all the stuff bus in. Bus drivers don't go in and sit down and have meals. Especially right? at a bridal shower. I mean, yeah. like, what if you came in and there was, like, debauchery going on, and you're like, holy shit, what is my wife doing? That's not a bridal shower. Did they make you wear <laughs> that's, a bachelorette. Right. that's a bachelorette party, and I did not go to that. Yeah. Never that was in Nashville. Did that? That toilet paper wedding dress. <laughs> no, right, right. Did. Put that on. Sure no, no, no. Did. Yeah. Yep. No, 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 no never. Nowadays, small. nowadays a bridal shower made of toilet paper is something that's very expensive and hard to find. I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Wow. That's true. But hey, back to your story, which was great. It's interesting because I held off for nine years before I got married. Oh wow! You crushed me. And. And we didn't live together here in DR. That's not that normal to move in together with your with your girlfriend or with your partner until right, you so, get married. So since we're sharing bridles, I, I got to give it. <laughs> how do you hold out for nine years? Yeah, I, I want to know how to do that. Not living together, at least five years. We're living together. We, you know, so it's kind of like being married without a certificate. You know, yeah. But nine years and you're not even living together. How? What? what where's the secret sauce in that? The secret sauce was the last two years were tough. Yeah, I was trying to I was trying to bob and weave, you know, but it wasn't that tough because she knew I was working. I was concentrating on work before we started a life together. And she was always very nice about it. And to be to be on the same page as Abe again, my wife is also part of the Hall of Fame of the worst liars in the history of liars. So (laughs) everything was fine, man. No, but no, no pressure, no rush. And we've been married for six years now. 
God we bless. Have a beautiful, how, how old were you when you got married? Uh, 30. Uh, a little bit younger. Man, so you guys yeah. really you knew each other young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We met very young, very young. Yeah. Good for and you. She's always she's always been great, man. And I don't know if you guys have you might have met her a before, but she's she's been basically running the Pro Cigar Festival with her team, of course, and Catherine Kel and Catherine Gibre. They've been running the Pro Cigar Festival for the last few years as well. Well, you know, I haven't made it down to the Pro Cigar Festival because it's always kind of it's always coincided with the Great Smoke. That's true. That's true. Which I've been to, by the way, and it's awesome. I mean, it's kind yeah, of one true. of those things we're always trying to find the date because a lot of the manufacturers, a lot of the manufacturers, you know, do both. And mm -hmm. for us, the Great Smoke, um, we kind of always want to make it typically always either was right before or right after, which both weeks I'm not leaving the country. I mean, the, the chaos yeah, I mean, the week after the Great Smoke is just as much as leading up to it. Yeah, even before must be impossible. After, maybe, but it's a tough maybe. I get it. Yeah, it's it really a huge event. A lot I've been of there before, and I just saw you for two seconds, and you were running all over the place. Yeah, I didn't try to bother you that much, to be honest. No, it's it's always one of those days, but uh, you know we're looking we're looking uh, forward and yeah. excited for this attempt of our digital. Yeah, trust me, I don't oh. talk to my wife since mid since mid December till the end. I don't talk to my wife at all. Yeah, that's my 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 poor wife. You know, she had that Valentine's Day dinner where I proposed, but she hasn't had a Valentine's Day in fifteen years. I mean, literally, 15 years, we just don't do it. She gets a bunch of flowers, nice cards, and, you know, she barely talks to me every half, mid-January to mid-February. So, wow. it's one of those things. So, Hostos, you are part of the Quesada family, yes? I think he's having some signal issues. Oh, he just froze I'm, I'm losing the signal here a little bit. Let me see Stand on one leg and point toward the North Star. It should come in. <laughs> uh, I think we can hear you now, Hostos. Uh, a little bit. We're hearing him. I don't know if he hears us. Uh, am I back? Am I back? We can hear you. I can hear you. We can hear you. We just, you're frozen, but we can hear you. Can you hear us? Yeah, I can't hear you guys that well. I'm losing a little bit of, uh, there we go. It might be back here. Yeah, I can hear you guys, but a little bit, not much. Okay, well, you're coming in. We hear you I fine, apologize so. for Dominican Republic Internet, if you can hear me. It's worked fine the two times that we've tested it. That's why, uh, well, I think it's back now. So so Abe was asking you if, uh, he was asking yeah. that you're part of the Quesada family, correct? Sure. I'm going to assume that was a correct. Yes, correct. Yeah, but Lolo Casada is is my uncle. Him and my mother are brother and sister. Wow. And how many years did you work with the, the Casada family with Casada cigars? I was I was working there since I was 15. I started working part time when I was in high school. Wow. And then after I, I graduated from high school, I went to college and I worked part time there as well. I was doing college in the morning and then work in the afternoon or vice versa. And after I graduated college, I just stayed there, man. and just kept grinding it out over there. I've been there for, I'm 36 now. I was there for 20 years, basically, going we, all the steps because we, it's a lot of people think making stars is as easy as it looks. There's, there's a lot of things that go into it. So you worked with the Casada family. Oh, is that it? You worked with the Casada family 
at the factory down in the DR. Yes, correct? correct. Yeah, I've always been at the factory because on the on the sale yeah, on the sales side of things in uh, in Miami we had the distribution center there, and that's where my customers as well used to work with us uh, when he was there, and he he was the one taking care of the sales side of the business, and I was always on the factory side, which to be honest with you is what I really love is being in the factory and, and, and making blends and making cigars and going through all that hassle. That's what I enjoyed. Now, you were born in the DR, yes. born and raised. But yeah, man, I mean, when I started working there, it was going through every apartment, man. Yeah, born and raised in the DR. I was born in, in, in Santo Domingo, and then I moved to Santiago when I was like eight. And uh, I, I actually lived in Puerto Rico for three years when I was from like six to, to nine. And then I came back to Santiago, and I've been there ever since. Your, your English is stellar. Oh, thank you very much. It's good to hear. It's good did to you, hear. Did you go to Did you go to English uh, American schools? Were you there? Or I mean, uh, yeah, I, the, like most schools here are half English, half Spanish, but it was mostly just one class. It's mostly been like my family has always talked English around me. I've I always watched TV in English, and I've always talked to people in English for most of my life. So I guess I've had good practice. Which is what I'm doing with my daughter, actually. Like everything she sees on TV is English. I try to talk to her in English because she can learn it at the same time, you know. Well, because you have you have almost no accent at all. That's that's the other thing that's strange. So so Spanish is your first language, and and you can't yeah, exactly. tell at all. So let me ask you a question. I'm always yeah, curious Spanish about is this. Definitely I'm always curious with people that speak multiple language. What language do you think in? English, me. English. Good question. I'm always curious about question. that with, with people that speak yeah. multiple language. I asked my dad. I asked my dad that same question, but it's changed over the years. You know, he's 76 now. You know, came to the country in his late 20s, and you know, growing up it was yeah, always Arabic. People, he think he thought in Arabic. I asked a then, lot of people the same question. And then it's become a mix now over the years. It goes, it just it kind of depends. It's kind of like me, right? Because especially if I'm home or I go overseas, I could speak both languages in one sentence. So I'll say American stuff. Or even when my dad comes and visits, I'll say American stuff. And then some of that sentence will come out in Arabic. And um, it just kind of depends because certain things, the psychological emphasis works better in another language than it does in, in, in English. So it just kind of switches back and forth. And what was worse is when I was in the grocery business in Chicago, my dad, we had a lot of um, Spanish speaking people, some who didn't speak any English. And I would speak Spanish, Arabic and English throughout a day. And then sometimes I would get confused and start speaking Arabic to the Spanish guys and, and whatnot. So, you know, your, your brain, you start getting in multiple languages, your brain kind of has an auto filter and it kind of gets twisted sometimes but you don't speak arabic to your dad do you i do when it's like i said okay so like if it's around my kids or my wife i do when i want nobody to understand what i'm saying but um there's certain things that just express themselves better in the native language it doesn't translate well so i don't even think about it it just comes out whether it's an idiom or a you know a paraphrase of something it just comes out in arabic because doesn't really translate or have the same effect in English. Like a phrase or saying, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it just doesn't work well. Yeah, it's so funny because it's kind of like hybrid. And like when I when my dad visits, my employees hear me do this. They're always like, "Did you just speak like two languages in one sense?" Because you don't really think about it; it just comes out that way. 
Yeah. yeah. I do a lot of Spanglish too, Abe, now that you mentioned it. I do a lot of the, the Spanglish all the time. But it's a great question, Alex, because I get that question all the time. And I actually ask a lot of people to. And most people I've asked, they actually still think in Spanish. I don't know why I, I think in English, but that's the way I've always done it. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I asked also our one of our graphic artists, uh, Gustavo, who is from Venezuela, and Spanish is, is his first language. And, and he said, um, actually, when he's here in the office, he thinks in English because he's mostly speaking English. But when he's home, he thinks in mm -hmm. Spanish. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's actually a really great. That's a great question. I've asked that to people before, too. It's a, a cool question. I only I only speak in English, so I only yeah. think in English. <laughs> I'm shocked about Gustavo because he really hasn't been here that long. You know, because it took, it took my dad a long time before he would say, yeah, I guess sometimes I do think in English. Because early on when I was younger, it was like, oh, it was, I, I think in Arabic. Right. You know? Right. But, okay. Okay. It's a good question, man. But yeah, Abe, uh, back to your question before I got cut off here. Um, it's mostly been, I've mostly been like my passion, as they say, not to use the word that everybody uses, is it's working at a factory. It's always been entertaining to me because every day there's a new challenge or something new happening. You got to take care of business. You got to be testing. My favorite part of it is testing blends and working with different tobaccos, which is the most interesting part because you always get something new when you're trying a tobacco pure or when you're mixing it with other tobaccos. You might get some shit. Oh, I don't know if I can say. Uh, yeah, you're good. <laughs> okay, good. Sometimes you get something that doesn't work, but sometimes you get an amazing thing. That's the interesting part about it. You're literally playing with different tobaccos. And a lot of people always ask me, do you smoke? And I'm like, yeah, you have to smoke. You don't look at a tobacco and say, oh, I think it's going to give me that. No, you got to light it up and smoke it and see what it gives you. So that's always, I've always been interested in that aspect of, of, of the business, the factory side. Now, are, and, you know, to clarify, because there's multiple sides when you start talking about a factory, right? Are you, have, have you been in your career involved in the agricultural side or mostly the production on the factory side? That's two different. Yeah, it's it's very it's it's Universe. a lot of different worlds when you go into the agriculture, the factory. It's two different universes. When yeah. I was at Quesada, I was involved with it a little bit because we that we grew our own tobacco there as well. But I always I always lean towards the factory. I mean, uh, I've been to the farms, I know the process and whatnot, but I I haven't dealt with that a lot to be honest with you. I've been in it and I and I know everything, like the processes that go into it. it and the hard work that's very it's a very expensive and very complicated thing to do to grow farms yeah being but an agriculturalist we'll or a farmer is a, it's a huge endeavor it's huge i have i have the utmost respect for everybody who, who deals with tobacco farms which is what we know because it's it's a very complicated thing and every day is different if today's a little bit humid today's raining a lot if it's not if it's too dry everything that needs to go into the farm it's a lot of work man it's and again all this work is for something you're going to use in two, three, four years. So you don't see the uh, the fruits of your labor real quick, which is the same thing with cigars when you're manufacturing, because I've always said if we were making T-shirts, it would be a lot easier. You just make the the T-shirt the and ship it out the door. With cigars, you have to age them and you have to store them correctly. And it's just money sitting there, you know, that needs to be done correctly. That's part of the business, man. It is what it is. But you try to get organized the best way you can to be able to age him correctly and have him there the enough time. Because at the end of the day, if you're trying to rush cigars, man, you can't. There's always going to be some type of problem if you try to rush the process. 
so you left the Casada family in 2018. Correct. And I, I don't want to make a big thing about it. But I'm just curious. I mean, there was kind of like a mass exodus in 2018. I mean, mm-hmm. and and as far as I could tell on a retail side, um, the brand has kind of just been stagnant or has disappeared. And, you know, I, do you even watch what still goes on with the, you know, because, I mean, it's still your family. It's your name on the company. I mean, is it? Is, 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 um, do you even still watch what's going on over there at Casadas? Yeah, I mean, I mean, to start off, I mean, even I, I, sp- I speak with Manolo every once in a while, and even with my cousins too, every once in a while. I mean, there's no bad blood or anything happening there. And even when I opened up the, the Tabacalera La Isla, I called Manolo myself and told him, listen, I want you to hear this from me directly. I appreciate you so much. I learned everything working with you. And I just wanted you to hear it from myself. But go, going back to your original question, I mean, um, I have not been very, very involved into what is happening over there because I've been yeah. concentrating on this. And and a lot of people, when they see me, and I completely understand that they always ask me about Quesada because that's where I, I started to know the business and know everybody in there. And I always have much respect to the Quesada family and everything that I did over there because without me learning from Manolo, when I was a kid, Manolo would pick me up at five in the morning in his car with his windows up, smoking, and he's <laughs> like, "Yeah, you got to learn how to be around smoke, my friend." That's and great. and I learned a lot. It's like it's like I was trying to, to to tell you before when I started working there, me being Manolo's nephew did not matter one bit. You had to do all the work. When I was there, I was carrying bales, sweeping floors. It didn't matter. And you had to go through every department of the factory, learning the processes of everything, because I do agree with with uh, the mindset that Manolo has is how can you learn about making cigars if you don't know everything that goes behind it? So I really appreciate that I had to go through all that because that's how you really learn the process. It's not showing up and saying, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm so-and-so and I'm going to be here running uh, the production or running this. That's not how it works. Because at the end of the day, it shows up in the product. You need to know the steps that go into it, and it's very complicated. And it's very time-consuming the way you have to uh, organize everything and prepare everything to be able to make the cigar that everybody smokes at the end of the day. And uh, to go back to your question, Abe, about when I left, uh, my reason is simple. I just had a different mindset of what I wanted to do cigar-wise with what they were planning. I mean, it's everybody has their own style of doing things. Everybody has their own way. They want to approach customers and their brand and their blends and their brands. And I decided it was time for me. I was still young enough to be able to move on. And after Quesada, remember, I went to Cigar Rings for two years as well that I worked with, with Albert and Miguel over there and my friends Carlos and Maria and all the team over there, which was an amazing experience for me because as I don't know if you guys know about Cigar Rings, but Consumers might not know about it, but I'm pretty sure every cigar manufacturer knows cigar rings because the quality of bands and labels that they do there is very, very good. So I learned a lot with them from that side of the business as well about another part of it, you know, because people, it's not just cigars. There's a lot of work that goes into it. There's people who do boxes. They have box factories. There's people who do labels and bands like cigar rings. And it's a lot of work, man. It's a lot of steps you have to take to get a cigar in somebody's hand that, if you do uh, a nice tip of the cigar with a little pigtail, it's a lot more complicated. And the consumer gets a cigar, they just cut it off and throw it away. You know, same with the bands. When you're smoking a cigar, 
when it gets to a point, people take it off and throw it away. But it's all part of uh, the mystique and the presentation of the cigars. So I have a lot of appreciation as well for my time at Cigar Rings because I did learn a lot about the other side of the business. And I also created a lot of new relationships because at the end of the day, you know, we're all cigar makers. Everybody's friendly and everybody's great. But at the end of the day, we're still competitors, you know. So when I was at Quesada, there was always a little bit of a, of a, uh, of, I don't want to say a barrier, but there was always a little bit of protection from everybody's side. When I went to Cigar Rings, it was open and everybody uh, was very nice. And I met a lot of new people as well. And that's another thing I wanted to mention now that I'm getting into the conversation here. When I started Tabacalera La Isla, I was shocked at the amount of help I was getting from a lot of the big cigar makers, especially here in DR because I'm here. Dude, all of them reached out. All of them told me if I needed uh, tables, if I needed molds, if I needed this, no problem. I mean, everybody has been so great. And it's one of the beauties of this industry that even though we're competitors, everybody's friends and everybody wants to push the industry forward, especially during these times with uh, with uh, FDA and, all, and everything that's happening. It's always nice to see the support. And again, I'm nobody, man. These people reaching out and helping out has been a godsend and it's been very humbling experience. And it's been, it, I'm actually happy. I'm, I've always said this, everybody that asks me, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm scared shitless, but I'm having the best time of my life. That's I mean, the best, best way to do it. That's the best way to yeah, do man, it. Yeah, man, I mean, at the end of the day, the hardest route is always the best one to take because I'm having a ball. It's a great time, the days go by so quick and the amount of support and help and just people showing up to my factory and telling me, maybe do this, maybe do that. I, I see this and I listen to everybody. And I have the, uh, I'm lucky enough of being in the industry when I was at Quesada and Cigar Rings that I know almost everybody here. And they could just tell me, yeah, good luck, man, um, um, and go. But no, people have been really into helping me. And, and it's been a very humbling experience, man, to be honest with you. I'm so happy I did this. I'm still at the point where I'm, you know, it's a new business, we're in a pandemic. I have a baby daughter, but I'm 36, man. If I had to take a risk in life, it would be now because nobody's perfect. If this happens and, it's, and it blows up, I'm, I'll be happy. If it doesn't, I still have enough age that I can pivot and, and do what I want. I just didn't want to be 60 and being uh, sad that I never took a swing at the bat. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, look, the industry coming and supporting one another has always been a common theme as long as I've been in the industry. You know, it happens more often than not. It's not always public knowledge, but it's always been a pretty common theme in the industry, which is one of the things I love about being in this industry. Um, and I want to, in the second half of the hour, which will be coming up soon, I want to get more in-depth about the factory and what you're doing. Um, but, you know, when you... When you left Quesada Cigars, did you have an idea at that time that a factory was in your horizon or that you, were you buying time or that, how did that whole eventually decision to say, I'm doing this, how did that come to fruition? It's a great question, Abe. It's a great question. When I left Quesada, I was lucky enough that I was nice enough to everybody that I had a ton of offers on the table, which I was always very blessed with. And it was something so quick that I didn't even have time to think about even starting a whole a new factory. I always had it in the back of my mind, which because as I told you, the making cigars and, and running a factory has always been what I really love. But when I left Quesada, I was lucky enough to get a, a, a lot of offers from people, man. And, and the ones at Cigar Rings was the best option for me at the moment because 
One, I had always worked with them when I was at Quesada. We, we used to make everything. I imagine they still do with cigar rings. So I knew Albert Monserrat very well. I knew Miguel, his partner, very well. And I knew the team at Cigar Rings as well, very well. So I said, man, this is an opportunity for me to learn another side of the business, which I'm, I'm always trying to learn because I've always told people that making cigars is like being a doctor. There's something new every day, man. There's something new you got to learn. There's nothing that's boring about it. So me learning more and more through Cigar Rings was really a, a godsend for me. But I'm always honest, that might be a fault of mine. Hey, Kurt, nice to see you, man. Love you too. When I was at uh, Cigar Rings, I was loving the job because we did it. We did everything in detail with everybody in the cigar industry. But every time we visited their factories, I kind of was like, hmm, I'm, I'm getting this, this itch again, man, because I used to, to go to everybody in Nicaragua and Dominican Republic. And since they knew me before, they gave me a plan, try this, what do you think? And we started getting into tobacco. And I kept getting that itch. I'm like, God, I still, I still have this in me, you know? So hmm. after a while, cigar rings, it just kept, it just kept coming back to the back of my mind. And I took the decision to, to leave. But after that happened, the whole pandemic showed up and everything blew up. And I was like, coño, what am I going to do now? I mean, I mean, nobody's, everybody's closed at the beginning, you know, a bunch of factories closed. Obviously nobody knew what was going to happen. Nobody was looking for people. And I actually had a bunch of calls when I left Cigar Rings of people telling me, uh, hold off as soon as we get uh, a, uh, more of an idea of what's happening with the pandemic. We're very interested for you to work with us. So it wasn't as quick as when I left Quesada, you know what I mean? So I had more time to think because during the pandemic at the beginning when there was a, a complete lockdown where everybody was at their houses, I used to just sit in my balcony, man, and smoke cigars and just look at look outside and just figure out what I'm going to do. And my wife said, you've always talked about doing your own factory. I mean, why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? And I was like, man, it's a tough business, even now with the pandemic. But I kept thinking about it, man. And I just said, you know what I'm going to do first? I'm going to start to call all my people that I know and just to see their thoughts. You know, I was waiting for somebody to tell me you're out of your goddamn mind. Just stay, stay still and wait. But nobody, nobody told me that after I it never came. Huh? No, nah, it never came. What my plan was, what I wanted to do. Everybody was like, man, go for it. We'll, we're here for you. We, we trust you. That's one of the things I worked hard in the industry for is the trust of people I have. And it's been with hard work, always being honest and trying to get things done in an easy and correct way. That's the way I'm approaching the Isla. I'm, I'm a very chill guy. I like to do things correctly, no fuss, as easy as, as it can be during the process. I, so I, that's. No, I was just saying, I, I've been there before sometimes when you, when you start thinking about a challenging idea, you, you're kind of almost looking for that one person who may want to talk you out of it. <laughs> you yeah, know? It's yeah. Like, it's know, true. Somebody's going to talk some sense in me and talk me out of this. And then you yeah. don't get it. And you're like, oh, I guess we're doing it. It's kind of like how yeah. the digital great smoke <laughs> happened, you know? Yeah. We couldn't and find you know anything to talk us out of it. Yeah, and now that you mentioned that, I might have been lucky that nobody told me I was nuts, you know? But I did obviously have some type of plan, and I explained to them the plan I had and whatnot, and everybody was like, I mean, I don't see any – obviously, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of risk because I'm, I'm risking my life here, you know? This is – I'm a young guy. I don't, have, uh, I don't have big pockets, so I'm risking it everything here. But again, at the end of the day, man – I've been risking this because it's something that I love and why not give it a shot, man? I mean, I'm, I, I will be the happiest man 
if this factory works and I can just live peacefully making cigars, man. I, I'm not looking to, to become a millionaire making, ma making cigars. I'm just looking for something that I like and my daughter can be supported and we can, we can all enjoy it, man. I mean, my, my, uh, my wife's father smokes a ton of cigars. He's at the factory every day. He says, I just need a desk to work with my laptop and give me cigars. And I'm like, I'm, I'm happy. It's a, it's a good environment. You know, there's people around Oriana's brother, my wife's brother comes in and helps me once in a while too. When he told me he wanted to come in, I'd be like, yo, have you, have you heard of the word internship? If you haven't Google it, because you're not getting paid a cent, my friend, you're here to learn, you know, that was part of, I just saw the message from Mike. Mike is my brother from the U S as well. I love him. Mike, Michael, and, Michael Herklotz. A lot of industry guys are saying that they've worked with you for a long time and have nothing but good. great I things to seen, say about you. Yeah. Michael started good, his own man. chapter as well. A lot of new chapters being started yeah, man. in 2021. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's Pretty something clear. with Michael that I was expecting him that he was still going to be in it because he loves us too much. He sometimes uh, talks about cigars that even I just sit there and say, go oh, man, just let me hear what you're saying. He's very good at that. And I'm very happy for his new company. Shout out to Feriotego that they're doing uh, all their, their, their Nat Sherman brands and, and new things in the future, man. It's awesome. It's awesome. I'm happy that Michael is kind of, cause we spoke of, we spoke a couple of times after his announcement, his announcement and, we're kind of on the same boat, you know. We've been we've been shooting uh, war stories back and forth because we're on the same boat, man. We're just risking it all to do something we love. It is what it is, man. I'm only 36. I'm young enough to try to try something, you know. That's how the best thing. That's how the best thing sometimes happens. So, um, before we go to a break at the top of the hour, hint, Paul DeCrocco. Um, <laughs> I'm like, oh crap! Hold on. Yeah, Let me just... Before we go to the break at the top of the hour, I just want to get a couple things out of the way. Uh, we got a lot of cool stuff in hour two. We're going to talk to Hostos more about the factory, the Tabacalera Isla Logistics. What exactly he's doing? Maybe he could tell us who he's doing it for. We got the scoop with Coop, and an awesome new episode hosted by the Goat and uh, Coop. Uh, yeah, tail the tape, ninety seconds to debate whatever boxing issues since they seem to. Have commandeered a portion of the end of every show every week we decided to make an official segment uh a couple more Good. things i want to talk about before we go on, on to the break uh one the great smoke uh we had a big announcement yesterday it kind of sent some waves i can't tell you how many um actually industry people called me and were blown away by it and I, you know i just have to say i really we had nothing to do with it all we did was approach carlito and carlito took it upon his own and i wish i could find the segment i can't remember if it was during our show uh or when i was on the marifel show the professor show where carlito kind of basically talked about how awesome of a package uh, you know a, a, a event only product he was making and he put a challenge out there to the other manufacturers they go i challenge any other manufacturers so it was kind of a great moment if i could find that clip i can't do do you remember, did it happen when he was on our show? I think it maybe it was when I was on the... the I show. saw both, so I can't remember which one, but I'll, I'll look at his episode. Yeah. I'll I, look at his episode, I, and I'll watch the the, Mirafel, the Meet I, the Professor show and check. Yeah, I'd like to put that clip out there, because it really was a... You know, I, and I had really kind of no idea what he was making at the time. I just knew, you know, he was determined to do something awesome. So we put it out there, caused a lot of waves, but there are going to be some epic very cool event only products that were made all small production all right we have obviously the one with carlito we released we'll be releasing some new news next week about steve Saka's little project pete johnson 
And then uh, we'll also be releasing news on Perdomo's, Rockies, and Aganor's The Leaf. Your old uh, buddy and cousin, uh, Terrence Riley, over there, has made something for the Great Smoke. Um, and just so you know, we're putting out in advance. These are all limited products. The only way you can get access to them is to have a ticket for the Great Smoke as if you were at the event. The only way to get the product. And it will be limit one LE product per ticket holder per manufacturer. So oh, wow. I, I know there's been some groups out there that guys think they're savvy. They're like getting eight, ten guys together to buy one ticket. <laughs> and they're, they're buying into this. And they're going to be sadly disappointed. One one box so uh, per, per limited edition per ticket holder. So um, if you haven't gotten your ticket for the Great Smoke, it's, it's a heck of a deal. Go there now. We're coming down to the countdown. We're within less than 30 days to this epic historic broadcast. Go to thegreatsmoke.com, get your party in a box. It'll not only let you watch and be part of this historic event, but give you exclusive access to extremely rare and limited products that are being made on top of the normal every year promotional discount and swag on all the normal goods that the manufacturers offer. So, And one other thing I want to mention, if you're watching this show and you're a fan of KMA, if you're a fan of Smoke In, if you're a fan of me, Paul, Alex... Uh, join us at our private Facebook page, Smoking Social page. Um, we're 20 members. What is it, three weeks old, Alex? Is it that long? My, yeah, roughly, give or take. We Not started, over three weeks. We started three weeks ago, and we are 20 people away from... Uh, you can hour. see me You can see me in a robe. Unless I think Alex may have removed that. I Did you remove that post? I would pin that to the top rather than remove it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Go go look up Smoking Social on Facebook. <laughs> it's a fun group. Everybody's Everybody's been amazing. I, I share little snippets of our smoking history on there from time. How to many time. are we off? How many were we off for Let's, the to hit three twenty? We're about nine eighty. So in less than three weeks, you almost got listen. Out. I'll make a I'll make a a promise. If we get there by the end of today, I will post a picture of me with cats. <laughs> Nobody we're, cares. We no one cares, Paul. We already know you're a cat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a cat person. I am. I am in a house with cats, though, that are scratching at the door right now. By the way, Let and dogs, and in. a lizard. So yeah, check out Please, the social page. It's fun. We show background videos of what goes on sometimes behind the scenes here at the shop, which are pretty funny. And um, I made a nice post about the fifth. At, you know, it, it, just, it was kind of like a Fuente Friday yesterday. All things themed Fuente with the announce of the. Uh, Limited edition Opus X cigar that Carly Opus X, uh. Opus X, yes. So that's it's a hell of an honor to be bestowed upon us and our company. So once again, thank you so much, Carlito. But um, I posted uh, pictures from the fifth anniversary Toast Across America event that we held at our West Palm Beach, our old West Palm Beach location in 2007. That was hosted with uh, Eric Newman and Carlito Fuente himself. So it was pretty cool. I'll tell you. Here's a question. No, no, just quick, not, we have a quick question about Ask KMA. There's no guarantee. All these are limited. If you read the post, it says, first come, first serve, while supplies last. So we'll be putting out a syllabus of who's coming on the show at what time. There are six manufacturers who are making exclusives. During their broadcast, the sales will go live. So you've got to be watching the show when that manufacturer comes on, and then it's first come, first serve. So if you're just buying a TGS ticket in the hopes that you're going to get a limited edition product that's kind of not what it's about it's kind of like a thank you to people who really want to participate in the event 
and are already coming and here's their opportunity to get something pretty cool so there's no guarantees they're all all the limited editions are pretty much 100 to 150 that's it between all six not for each limited edition from every manufacturer so um you know it's we just get so so if you have the ticket you're not guaranteed to get it but if you don't have the ticket you're guaranteed to not get it Exactly. I have more with Hostos Hernandez, the scoop with Coop, and Tail the Tape, all coming, and, uh, and of course the San Asylum, all coming up in hour two. Keep it lit. Surgeon General Warning Cigar smoking can cause cancers of the mouth and throat, even if you do not inhale. Celebrating 85 years of success, the Monte Cristo 1935 anniversary is a tribute to the outstanding accomplishments Monte Cristo has achieved since the brand's inception. This cigar comes from the creative minds of Rafael Nadal, AJ Fernandez, and the Grupo de Maestros. It is a full-body Nicaraguan Puro that pays homage to the original tobaccos used in the very first Monte Cristo cigar. Flavor notes you'll detect while smoking are pepper, cedar, and chocolate, all of which pair perfectly with a cappuccino. No matter what four sizes you pick, this classic smoke will send you on a trip down memory lane and all the way back to 1935. Surgeon General Warning. Cigar smoking can cause cancers of the mouth and throat, even if you do not inhale. We are back to KMA Talk Radio Live, but before we do, we want to talk about one of our new partners here at KMA Talk Radio, Bonner Private Wines. There is their banner. So actually, I, I brought a bottle of Sunal, which we'll talk about, um, with me here up to Georgia, and we will be drinking that this evening. So have you ever gone to a barbecue joint, and the next day you're kind of like still digesting all that meat? You know that feeling. So here's a tip for that. Drink red wine. Not only does it taste great, but red wine actually makes you digest more effectively. In fact, according to some studies, it even makes red meat healthier for you. I know that the Red Meat Lovers Club guys love to hear that. But not all red wines are equal. You don't want some mass market red wine full of chemicals, pesticides, and God knows whatever else they put in there. Instead, you got to check out Extreme Altitude Malbec from Argentina. Bonner Private Wines has them. Extreme altitude means that grapes grown, the grapes are grown at around 9,000 feet, the third highest vineyard in the entire world, fed off pure snow melt, no excess chemicals, notes of blackberry, leather, smoke, dark cherry, goes well with steak, goes well with cigars. The guys over at Bonner Private Wines are telling us that they just got another special shipment of those wines because they're really hard to get from 8,950 feet up in the mountains, including one from the third highest vineyard in the world. You can get 53% off if you go there today. It's Bonner Private Wines, and KMA listeners get that discount if they go to kmawines.com. So check out our friends at Bonner Private Wines at kmawines.com. And now... We are officially back to the show with our guest, our Meet Your Maker, Mr. Hostos Fernandez. Let me put Abe in the top spot there because that's where he belongs. Uh, thank you. Right Let's, next to the I boss. Got, I like it. I got to tell you a couple things. One, I got to tell you, because we, we had a feature spotlight on that Monte Cristo 1935, and I'm not going to lie. I thought that was an amazingly impressive cigar. It's so not Monte Cristo-esque. So... Um, you know, uh, it's it's definitely if you're a medium 
bodied smoker and you like that flavored medium to fuller areas, I definitely recommend trying it because I was thoroughly impressed with that stick. And um, the Bonner wine. Is that one DR or Nikae? That's Nicaraguan. Okay. It's Nicaraguan. I think it's rolled. I think it's rolled at the AJ Fernandez factory. If my memory, AJ. if my memory serves me correct. Yeah, I think that's what Raphael said. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was I was very impressed with that cigar, and I'm out of Bonner wine, so I'm gonna have to go to KMA wines .com and get some more kmawines.com you gave us from that initial shipment there it's gone so we'll have to grab some you've more. drank all of that you had like seven bottles okay well that was like a month ago and first off <laughs> you know my wife drinks a bottle opens cracks open a bottle you know two or three nights a week she'll open a crack open a bottle of wine so you know we, we drink some i'm not always there drinking with her you know she likes to have a glass or two but at least two or three nights a week I don't blame her with four kids now. I'd be around them all day. I'd be an alcoholic straight up. I'd be drinking like straight from a bottle. <laughs> Hard booze. Was that, four kids, no, I was gonna say, fortunately for you guys, I don't I don't dip into the stash, so it's just between you and Paul, whatever you guys split yeah. up, it's, it's gone. It's yeah, we, it was it, it was great. I was dividing it three ways and Abe's like, No, we can just split it. I was like, Oh, ho, ho. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so hostos, an hour or two I want to talk about the factory. All right. Let's let's just start with logistics. How big is this factory? How many how many pairs do you have on the floor making cigars? The 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 size of the factory itself is fourteen hundred uh, square meters. It's a pretty big big size to start. You know, you just factory. threw our whole American audience off. <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, fourteen thousand uh, square feet. It's fourteen thousand square feet. This is not a small space. Yeah, it's a big space, but I didn't I, I didn't start big, you know. I wanted to have space where I could grow, which is the plan. But obviously, I'm also in a free zone. So me getting into a space there, I had to choose one wisely that I could grow into because the whole logistics, the logistics of free zones is a very complicated process, which I've learned and expensive, too, at the same time. So I just wanted a space that I would be able to grow, God willing, if I can, you know. You, you, didn't, want to have didn't, to, wanna, you didn't want to have to move in a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to be able to, to move a whole cigar factory and everything you've set up because the way I, I received an empty space and I literally had to build the aging room, the, the drying rooms, the fumigation room, and the offices and all that. So it was a three-month process, give or take. After that was done, it was a lot easier because at the end of the day, when the factory set up, you have to put all the tables in. You, know, you have to put all the tables for the cigar makers. You have to put the tables for the sorting of the tobacco the trays to be able to, to dry tobacco, the, the tables at the shipping area. So that part was a lot easier than building out the factory itself. The way I started off, Abe, I yeah. have 10, t 10 tables and currently five teams are rolling. Okay. That's what I'm doing right now. I just want to clarify to our listeners so they have an understanding. You do not have a cigar brand. You are not making a cigar for yourself. You're not selling a cigar to the public market, correct? Yes, correct. The, the way I decided to start the businesses, as you guys know, and, and some of the, the listeners might, to do your own brand is very difficult. That's a whole other work. animal. It's a whole other animal that you have to spend on marketing, on traveling, which we can't even nowadays anyhow. You have to do a bunch of things that regard wow. me not paying attention to the factory. You know, Abe? So... I needed, to, I needed to make a decision. Do I want to concentrate on the factory or do, do I'm going to concentrate on a brand or do both things at the same time? 
So I mentioned before, one of the things I'm lucky enough to have is the trust of a lot of people. So it's very important to me that the first things I do in the factory are done correctly in the right way. So me getting into my own brand would take a little bit away from that. Absolutely. Yeah. Time. So you want to put all you can into did, into that yeah. one part. Did anybody's volume yeah. for Hostos go down or is it just me? Mm, it seems no. to me. Okay. By the way, low blow, Mr. Herklotz, low oh, blow. Dude, that is hilarious. <laughs> the comment up. Paul thinks he's smart. He left it up there. But <laughs> clarify, Michael, okay? I haven't had the opportunity to build the it's factory. Good time. While I signed the lease back in late September, I believe it was, the building has yet to be delivered to me. All right? Where, where, where are we pointing at? I can't see. The oh, cat the is cat. here. Oh, look at Paul. Oh, my God. The cat is out of the bag. <laughs> Paul is a cat. The cat is out of the bag. There we go. The cat is out of the bag. I've, I've called it. There's proof. Once again, I'm right. Um, it's not proof. It's not proof because it's not my cat. I mean, yeah. I'm not at cat. home. What else do you need? <laughs> so, um, no, I want to clarify. So, we, we the building, the, our warehouse is about 6,000 square feet with a 2,000 square foot mezzanine level of an 18,000 square foot building. So, we sign the lease, then the landlord has to go in there and separate the bays, run the separate electric, run the separate water. So they deliver then our building, and then which point then we start construction. They still have not delivered the building yet. So, you know, COVID is like kind of held up a lot of the permitting processes, believe it or not. These people are still working from home. But um, during this time, we've already had the architect drawings done. We've already submitted for permits. We're in our second comments phase. So I haven't been going nuts because even if they had delivered me the building, we couldn't start construction anyway. So from what I understand, the permitting should be approved in the next two to three weeks. The landlord said the building should be done delivered in two to three weeks. So I kind of maybe have timed this right where they're actually going to deliver me the building and the contractor can literally come in the next day and start build out. So Michael Herklotz, my clock starts. <laughs> my clock starts. When I get the building, then you can see how fast we build the warehouse, sir. <laughs> I, can, I, can be, I can be pretty sure it's going to be very quick because this is oh, not your first rodeo, my friend. We needed it. We needed it like eight months ago. Like we have. <laughs> yeah. You needed it like yeah. two years ago. No, <laughs> really. No, no, eight months ago, it really started. I mean, I think we could have kept squeezing our 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 e-commerce out in the in Boynton Beach probably for. I think we could have got away with it for about another couple of years at the most. But, you know, when stores closed down across the country and people started giving us a chance, and I think they liked what we did because they keep coming back, it just catapulted us and sped things up to we're like, okay, we need a warehouse like now. So Yeah, it's, it's funny to actually see like when, when people actually get a look out of the at the small space that we ship out of, they're <laughs> amazed. They're amazed that we do what we do out of this little area. So yeah, we're long overdue. Yeah, the pausers were in town. You know, yeah. we had Michelle do the the meet your maker last week, and you know, we took them back, gave them a little tour. Like, no, you ship everything out of like, well, yeah, everything out of here and kind of half of our front lounge lately. But yeah, this right. is where we ship everything out of. It's yeah. probably hey, that back area is probably what a thousand square feet, if that. Wow. If that, yeah. Yeah, it's, listen, it's wow. a thousand square feet shared with other stuff. You got three graphic guys right. sitting back there. You have a storage room back there. We got transfer sections for our other locations. So yeah, there's a closet. There's a bar closet in there that takes up space. I mean, there's yeah, the storage room. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, but the yeah, guys. I've always said, Abe. 
a good problem to have is not a problem. You need to grow, then that's a good thing, you know? I mean, yep. I wish I had that problem, to be honest with you. It's, so, it's a good thing. Yeah, well, you, you will have that problem, God willing. So going back to now the, the tobacco or isla factory, so you got five pairs. You're hoping to make brands. So people, there's, you know, people don't realize there's a lot of companies that don't make cigars, right? Ashton, yeah. Ashton doesn't make cigars, you know? And they're, and you know, they're massive, as we know, of course. Yeah, and they don't make one cigar. Shout out they're, to Ashton. Yeah, they go, they go to companies like, you know, My Father or Fuente or, you know, like Hostos's new factory, and that's where they have cigars made. Placencia for years didn't have a brand, but made cigars for a lot of people. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's a good combination because now that you mentioned Placencia, I work with them very closely because remember when we were at Casada, we did Casa Magna. We still, yep. They still do Casa Magna with the Placencia family. It won Cigar of the Year in 2008. I mean, it was a huge success. And I'm always very grateful to the Placencia family as well because they've always been amazing people, man. It's amazing how big they are and how well they work and how humble they are. It's always been a, an example to follow. So you, know, you mentioning Placencia, I've always thought about when I started the factory is Placencia did this for years and they were always very successful. And it's kind of like the same route I want to take. It's me making cigars for other people, making good product. And at some point in time, I'll be comfortable enough where I can say, listen, the company is running the factory is running smoothly as much as you can, so I can now concentrate a little bit on making my own brand. But I don't. There's no rush. I've always uh, tried to done everything correct in the way that I might be a little bit slower of coming up with things because I'm very, very adamant about making a good product. Because at the end of the day, you can sell cigars once to anybody. It's them coming back and keep working with you. That means they're selling cigars. The, the consumers are liking the cigars and they're ordering cigars from us, you know? That's yeah. why I I decided to concentrate a lot on the factory first, 100% on the factory. That's why I'm not doing my own brand. No, and I, at the same time, if I'm making a brand for somebody else, I need to do them justice, you know? I can't take a, a known brand and make cigars for them and, and they don't work. That's not, that, that's not the point, you know? Listen, you talked about the humbleness of Placencia. And you know you want to follow that format of being easy to work with. And I, I'll tell you a story. I can't remember what what trade show it was. I mean, it was at the RTDA for sure at the time, but it has to be over 10, 12, maybe fifteen years. And I'll never forget. But it was after the show, and you know how you're always walking off, and then you sit, and you stop, and you talk with somebody. I mean, when the show's over, it takes like forty five minutes to get out the door. Half the oh, time. Oh yeah. And yeah. I got this out. Yeah, I, I, my mentor, Sal Fontana, was still alive at the time, so I, I would always stop by and see him on the way out and chit-chat and see what he was doing. And Christian grabs me, and he says something to me. He says, you know, because you know we've done a lot of crazy stuff over the years, whether it be the Great Smoke, giving away cars, giving away trips, you know, 25 pounds of silver. And manufacturers have always been awesome to work with us. And Christian said to me something at that point, he says, you know, you know why everybody likes to work with you? Because you're easy to work with. You know, you never ask for too much. You ask, you know, you, you're always fair and you always come through with what you want to do. And that always resonated with me because, you know, the way you work, you think everybody works that way. And they start telling me horror stories about how, you know, he didn't mention any. Well, yeah, he did mention them. So specific names, but I won't mention them. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, he's like, you know, working with them is like impossible. And they always want everything and they always beat you up. And that, that resonated with me in my latter years. I mean, I was kind of doing it subconsciously, but it's always in the forefront of my mind is how easy can you be to work with somebody because you'll always get more things done. So, yeah, I mean, that's probably worked yeah. to Placencia's favor and it's going to work to your favor, you know, in your new venture. But so 
Now, do you have a, because when somebody comes to you, so like, say I want to start my own brand, I come to a factory like you, we work on the bike, but you deliver the final product, right? I mean, correct. You, correct. Do, you, do you have a box factory or do, then you go and you go to the box factory and they, I mean, they, I, I, okay, most of the time they'll come to you with art. Now, are you, are you offering art for those people who don't have an art department? That's all. That's also a great question, eh? Because going back to when I used to work at Casada, we used to have they they have their own box factory there. So it was an easier process for us that we made the boxes and we made the product and we offered it to them at a complete price, you know. But the way I'm working uh, this uh, the the Tabacalera La Isla is, I make the like you come to me, Abe, for example, you we come up with a blend, and after that, for example, the first part would be after the blend is done and the cigars are aging, we need bands. Most people put bands in their cigars. Me working at Cigar Rings for, for two years, I know the process very well. So I'm available to be able to help people out for them. But the way I'm working is we you want to make some bands, I'll help you with the process, but you take care of ordering the bands and getting them to me. Correct. Same with the boxes. I know all the box manufacturers here, and it's the same process. Since I used to also work at the box factory when I was at Casada, it was one of the departments I went through. I know the process of making boxes as well. So I'm, I will be there to be able to help with the process because obviously I'm in DR. I can jump to the, the, the box factory. I can go to Cigar Rings or any other uh, band manufacturer and just be there and help push the process through because it's a lot more complicated, people sending emails back and forth. But that's the way I'm approaching it is I make the blends. I make the cigars for you. I, I get the bands from you with my help if need be. Same with the boxes. And then I pack everything and ship it out the door. Okay, so yeah, so you're just connecting them with your various sources and contacts over the years with box people and band people, and then that all gets shipped to you, and then you pack it together and then deliver it to the United correct, States. Correct, correct. And, yeah, and most of these companies, 99% of them are in free zones as well. So there's no tax from the Dominican Republic that's oh, wow. put on the product. So it's just a transfer from one free zone to the other. This is the other reason I decided to go into a free zone which is a very expensive and complicated process, but at the end of the day, it's the best way to get pricing for people that works as well. And most of these companies are in free zone, so me buying from them, if I wasn't in the free zone, you have to take it out, you have to pay taxes on them, and it's a lot more complicated and expensive too at the end of the day for the customer. Okay, so now so I want just, now I want to ask ahead. you a question, because you talked about buying tobacco, okay? So mm -hmm. I know, I know like Steve Saka, buys his tobacco he buys mm -hmm. he selects his tobacco he buys it, it, it it's at Hoya de Nicaragua's factory for their use so are you buying tobacco to make blends for potential customers are they going to buy tobacco and then store it at your place to warehouse it for their particular projects how does that process work for you I mean Abe has some good questions I love it it's good stuff yeah man for the process of the tobacco that is all me Tobacco-wise and cigar-wise, I will be taking care of that end. So for, for your question regarding people who want specific type of tobaccos, I have all the, 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 the persons who sell tobacco in Dominican Republic, even in Nicaragua as well. So finding tobacco is not a problem for me. And the way I've been approaching the blends I've been doing, I'm smoking one of my blends that I'm going to send you guys, is I, I just put a the, the, the number on there with a marker. I mean, it's, it is what it is. I, you got to try it, you know? But the, the way I'm approaching it is, I did blends that I sent out to all my potential customers according to what I believe is, is what they want, what the consumer wants, because at the end of the day, a lot of people say, I make cigars how I like them. 
you're not buying all those cigars yourself. You know, I'm trying to approach it in a way where the consumer, I believe, is going to like it the same way as the customer. And the way I'm approaching doing blends is, as we know, the last few years, Nicaragua has been considered more of the strong side of cigar, more of the full cigar. It's what the consensus of consumers, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Abe. No, it is. you know everything that happens. So the way I'm approaching the blends I'm doing, they're a little bit more on the strong side. They're more full cigars with a lot of flavor. And those are the samples I've been doing and sending to my, my potential customers. But if you show up and you say, listen, I want to make a Connecticut mild cigar, no problem. I've always said, we'll take everything here as long as I'm making cigars. So I have no qualms about it. But back to your original question about purchasing tobacco, I would be taking care of that. The the customers would not be buying tobacco and storing it in the factory. I would just buy it myself and have my inventory and do my sorting and, and make whatever blend I need to make. So you would have to buy tobacco that's kind of ready to go, nothing that would need aging or yes. curing. Yeah, which, yes. makes, you, it, you which makes it a little more expensive, yeah? Yeah, it's a little bit more expensive at the end of the day because you mentioned Steve that he buys tobacco and, and, and he works with Hoya. I've seen bulks of tobacco that Steve has and he's posted about I've seen that they work the process of the tobacco. The way I'm approaching it is, shout out to Tatuaje, happy. The way I'm approaching it is I'm buying the tobacco ready to go. I don't have an area to, to, to do bulks of tobacco. I just get the bales of tobacco. I sort them correctly to what we believe we have to do. And then we, we go from there. Obviously, the tobacco I'm buying is aged tobacco ready to go. But when you buy tobacco, it doesn't matter what type you buy. You still got to do all the sorting and all the processes inside the factory. That's why I mentioned before I built a, a small uh, drying room because sometimes there's some tobaccos that you need to dry out. Same with the wrappers. I buy the wrappers ready to go. I sort them out and I store them too as well. So on the tobacco side, I'm not doing the fermentation process and all the bulk and all that type of work because I don't have the space, even though it sounds like a big factory, I don't have a specific area where I could do that right now. If yeah. in the future that needs to be done, I'm in a building that has three floors. I'm only in the first floor. The two other floors, who knows? Maybe one day we can have them. Depends on how it goes and what we're doing. Because yeah. that's the other part of me choosing a specific area that works. I'm only in the first floor of the building I'm in. The second and third are available. If they're not in the future, it is what it is. But at the moment, it's an option there as well. Yeah, I don't know if it's your international connections, but I've seen more international people on this episode. We have people from India, Canada. I think it was Norway earlier. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I've seen more international people on this episode of KMA than I think I can ever remember. Um, yeah, so, good, man. It's good. So, look. Appreciate it. Somebody who has a little more, you know, I have a little bit of insight, right? It's the way the process you're looking at where, you know, no one's going to be buying their own tobacco. You're going to kind of be a one-stop shop. You're going to hook them up. I, 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 and this is just an assumption on my part is are you looking to work with more boutique-style companies, guys with smaller production requests, you know, guys who may not be knowledgeable on how to get their own boxes and bands made? Is, is that the segment market of this industry that you're kind of starting out gearing your factory for? Yeah, that's part of it, Abe, to be honest with you. I'm looking at both parts of it because I don't want to say the word boutique because it's been – yeah, too much. Yeah, boutique's not even a good def defining word anymore. Yeah, so I, I don't like yeah. to use that word, but I want people to know that at Tabacalera La Isla, we take from the big guys to the smaller guys because at the end of the day, all the 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 brands that you mentioned that are smaller guys, even though they do a lot of a lot of sales of cigars, they're not in 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 the the tier of the big companies. I want them to know that we're a factory that you can approach us because big companies want to make 
hundreds of thousands of cigars as a minimum, you know, or, but I'm, I'm approaching it in a way because it's just me. I don't have a lot of overhead. There's not a lot of costs regarding running the factory as of right now. So I'm willing and able to make cigars for anybody because at the end of the day, Abe, um, everybody starts somewhere, man. I, I just gave a shout out to Pete at Tatuaje. He does an amazing cigars with my father's cigars. Shout out to them as well. I love them too. And Pete started as a guy that just came in and wanted to make cigars with them. Yeah. And look and look how big he is now, man. And it's it, it's something that you appreciate because it's, it's a lot of work that goes into it. And he's a good example of a relationship with another factory that's pretty big. So why can't I uh, give my 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 services to people who want to start off in the business, you know? And that goes back to what I told you before about me being able to price fair because starting off, a lot of people want to start a new brand and, and you sell them cigars very uh, like an expensive price and it doesn't work because the cigars are too expensive in the market. So I'm trying to do something fair for them to be able to grow and I'll grow with them. So I'm going to be working with the small uh, uh, companies and brands, but I'll be working with big uh, companies and brands as well. Well, I, I have to say that obviously I've known you for a long time. You're definitely a savvy, savvy business person. So thank you, thank you, Abe. My assumption is because if I was getting ready to open a factory, I would kind of have some people lined up before <laughs> I I had the factory open. So I don't know if you've shared any of this information. I don't know if you can share any of this information, but is there anybody that you're currently rolling making cigars for? At the request of the people I'm rolling for, I cannot mention it at the moment. Because, yeah. again, I'm a fair guy, Abe, and I try to be uh, very transparent with everybody. No, we if somebody that. tells me that, no problem. But but you are currently making cigars for, for brands at this point. Yes, I'm making a yeah. couple of brands right now. Which Great. I appreciate. It's a good way to start off. Absolutely. But, but not, now that I'm looking at the comments... Pete just mentioned that it's all about loyalty as well, man. If you're loyal to the customer and the customer is loyal to you, everything is going to come out great, man. I mean, at the end of the day, there it is. Yeah, we're making cigars. We're making something that people are passionate about. And you just got to work that way, man. I've always been a guy that when I was at Quesada, and that's why I made a lot of friends and while I was at Cigar Rings too, this is something we're supposed to be enjoying. You know, why make the process complicated at all? You show up, we make some blends, we smoke cigars, and at night we have dinner, we drink, we shoot the shit. It, it is what it is, but we're making, we're still working, but we're having a good time. At the, we're having a good time at, at the same time, you know? So that's, that's my whole uh, way I'm looking at, and the way it's been working so far now is that's the way I like to work, you know? It's simple. It's no fuss. We're just talking tobacco and making cigars, man. And I'm here to help with any part of the process anybody would ever need. So that's kind of like the, the whole mindset and the culture I'm trying to create at, at La Isla. Even with the people coming in, every person that's coming in, I'm talking with them directly for a couple of minutes and telling them how we want to work here, the way we're – and I always tell everybody, if I grow, you guys are going to grow with me. I'm bringing everybody with me from the start. And that's the way I, I want to create a type of – I don't want to say the word loyalty, but a type of – work environment where everybody's happy there's always you know working with tobacco makers working with cigar makers those people are artists i've always said i i needed to do a master's in psychology after i graduated college because dealing with cigar makers is very tough man they're artists i mean every day there's something new there's something they need there's something uh they, they want you to do for them regarding tobacco wines i mean even when they get tobaccos on their table they're gonna be like well maybe this and i always listen to them as well because at the end of the day without the team 
I'm not doing a thing, my friend. I'm not doing a thing. So I want everybody to be happy and everybody to be part of the process. I always hear suggestions as well. I've heard some suggestions from my guys there that I've taken into account and I've done them because I'm not a genius here. I'm not the expert. Everybody's trying to make things happen in the way that it works for everybody, you know? Oh, very interesting. Can I bring up something since we're talking about Pete Johnson? Sure. You posted a picture on Smoke In Social, speaking of getting people to join Smoke In Social the other day. And I think it was from like your first Great Smoke where there was a young Pete Hassel Johnson. Can I show that photo right now? Yeah. And, Don, uh, yeah, and Pepin Garcia. Yeah. There they are. Look how young oh he God. was. That's how long oh ago. God. He looks like a child. <laughs> yep. I couldn't get over that the other day. I was like, oh my God, he was a kid. I'll tell you, one, one of the things I love about those pictures is, you know, you have two sides because we see those pictures and, and Abe, you know, can, points out, you know, a lot of the, you see a lot of guys that have passed away and, and, and gone on. Yeah. That's the worst part because even in those photos, there were a couple people, I, you know, that's the worst part every time I go back to the library is just seeing how many people have left us in that time. I mean, you forget, and it's it, I'm getting a little goosebumps now talking about it, but yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Adam. Right, but no, but the other side of that is I get to look at some of those pictures, and I'm like, oh, man, you know, that's Big Bill. Big Bill is still around. You know, I, I, in one you posted last night, I saw yeah. Well, yeah. that's, you know, so-and-so is still around. Look, that's from the first great smoke, and he's, he's still hanging out. Yeah. I we guess. spoke about him today, Sal. Sal yeah. Fontana. Yeah, yeah. Look at him. Yeah. That was literally my first my first mentor in the cigar business. Great guy. I, that's exactly how I imagined him, too, after fact, you spoke about him. In fact, true story, as well as many people, Sal was the first guy who literally walked me up to Manuel Casada and introduced me, you know, and, and he always introduced me as a good friend of mine who just opened up a cigar shop in Florida. He just always put me right on the map with these people, whether it be Robbie Levine, Carlito Fuente, Lou Rothman. I mean, he just literally, it, he wanted to introduce me to everybody. And um, speaking of Lou, Lou's back in town. Um, he, he gave me a call, so hopefully maybe, maybe we can get him on KMA. I don't know if Lou's going to figure out. I don't know if Lou's, Lou's always loves coming to the studio. I don't know if, we're gonna, if he's going to figure out how to do a StreamYard cast, but I'll, I'll ask him. And, uh, yeah, hey, be great to see what Lou's up to. And Lou was good friends, actually, with uh, Manuel Casada. Always talked highly about him. He loved him. And I remember an epic episode where we had scheduled Manuel Casada to be on the show. And, um, you know, he's not always in the country. Gonna have him. Yeah, yeah. He's not gonna always in the country. Long. And then Lou calls and says, I'm in town. I'd like to come by the studio. So here we have these two, like, really legends in, in a KMA studio at the same time. I can't remember what episode it was. It's many years ago, but it was a, it was a great episode. Yeah, I actually, I actually met Lou once because, as you know, uh, Lou do, used to do a lot of business with Manolo back in the boom days. And one day, me and Manolo were visiting JR, and out of the blue, Lou walks in. I'm like, what's going on here? It was a very interesting experience. But going back to what you said, Abe, about the people in the industry, that's, that's the thing I, I love about it. I mean, I've been with the big guys of the industry, and I'm just a small guy in the corner. They introduce you to everybody. Hey, meet Ostos. He's doing this. He's he, even like Ernestico, who won number one cigar of the year. Shout out to him as well. I texted him to say congratulations and, and well deserved. And the first thing out of his mouth is, How's the factory doing? What are you doing? What's going on? If you need any help? Let me know. I mean, this, is, great. this is the type of industry. It's the type of industry we have. This guy just won the number one cigar for the second time in three years. And the first thing he's asking me is about my factory and how I'm doing. I mean, it, it blows my mind. Yeah. It blows my mind how everybody's so good about 
bringing you into it and be, being part of the new generation, as they say. The, the, the legends of the industry always bring you in. They're never like pushing you out of, out of the circle. It's always been a humbling experience. And you learn a shit ton from those people. It blows my mind the knowledge these people have. And they just give me a cigar and I just sit down. I'm just listening to everything they're saying and I'm asking them a bunch of questions. And nobody's open. I've always said this and a lot of people say that at the end of the day, you guys have been to cigar factories. There's no secrets in cigar factories. It's the same process. It's the same idea. Everybody just has their own style of doing blends and doing cigars and, mar and marketing their cigars. So everybody has always been nice. I've come to the factory, sit down with me, have a coffee. I'll show you a couple of things I think might be a good idea for you. It's, it, it's, been, it's been amazing. Man. It's Look, been amazing. It, it could be the same process, right? It could be the same thing. But who you are affects how it is. I mean, look, my company, my company is a perfect example. I guarantee you, I guarantee you that if you look at what logistics we have, the manpower we have, the technology we have, we, we don't have one-tenth of probably what some of our competitors have. But when you look at how we ship our product out, the comments that we get of how fast it gets out the door, I saw three comments yesterday. It's like, man, I placed an hour, and it's like, 30, 90 minutes later, I'm already getting a tracking number. That's because that's how we are. I mean, it's easy to ship a product. It's easy to ship a box. And it's the same thing in any warehouse. You pull it, you pack it, you put it in a box, and say, ah, but we'll add the mints. We'll add the handwritten note. It's, it's, uh, it's very much. I was coming in this morning. And I was telling Alex, I, I don't know who's posted. I'm going to assume it was Alex. But there's all these motivational little cutout signs all across the shipping monitor. Right, we have one shipping monitor. We ship everything out of one shipping station right now. It's so, crazy. I can't believe it. It's crazy, and and we got all these motivational. So yeah, the factories may be the same. You know how you do stuff the same, like you said, it's no secret. But you, who you are as an individual, will ultimately affect in great proportion yeah. what the final product you produce is. That is a hundred percent right, Abe. A hundred percent, and that's that's what I'm trying to 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 let people know of the way I'm doing things because it's my style of doing things. And I believe it's the fair, honest, and correct way to do it at the, sa at the same time. So that's very important. I mean, f as cigar factories in Nicaragua and DR, they're, they're all over the place. As you know, there's a lot of small factories everywhere. But it all depends on, on how you approach the business, man, and the way you want to do it. I just want everybody to be happy working with me because I'll be happy working with them. That's all I'm looking for, man. That's all I want. Maybe. maybe Postos, we'll... do you have a oh, – I'm sorry. Go ahead, Abe. Oh, go ahead, Paul. Postos, uh, do you have a website for the factory yet? I have a website, tabacaleraliso.com, but it's just uh, a landing page. What I'm mostly pushing is the Instagram, which is at Tabacalera La Isla, where I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a huge Instagram guy. I'm not a huge Facebook posting guy. I even posted when, when the announcement was made. I made a small post thanking everybody who reached out, and I literally said at the beginning, I don't post here much, but I just wanted to say thank you to everybody. So I'm, I'm trying to push a lot the, the Tabacadera La Isla Instagram account, which is where I'll be posting photos, and those photos also go to the Facebook page as well. Well, maybe 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 there might be a Tabacadera La Isla micro-blend in the near future. Who knows? Hey, you said it, not me, my friend. I'm Who here knows? waiting. Yeah, listen, I, that's what we like to do. We like to always just keep working and doing and creating. Listen, I've always said my favorite part of the job is the creating part. and, and, and oh, yeah. That's what moves people. You know, that's how you touch people. Me sitting at a counter, ringing up a cigar and handing it to a consumer does nothing other than just give them the opportunity to get the cigar and smoke it. But when you can create stuff and create experiences and memorable stuff, that's that's the part I love. So, um, yeah, Abe, oh, yeah. even that you mentioned that, Abe, um, it's like 
I have an office, I probably sat there twice because I'm, I'm always outside of the factory. You know, I'm, I'm dealing with it directly in a way that that's that's the, the fun part of it because I'm creating things there, even starting off new and creating from scratch, you know. So that's that's what excites me. And I'm at the factory and all of a sudden I'm like, it's five o'clock. We have a curfew here that five. Everyone needs to be closed and you have till 7 p.m. to get home. So I'm always rushing out of the factory just to get back home. And even right now, there was a holiday on Thursday. There's a holiday on Monday. I'm at the factory. I don't care. I've been working since I was 15 years old. So this is me working now for something that I'm trying to build. I've been there Sunday still five. I don't care. I mean, it's it's part of the fun process and it goes quick. Good. Well, um, it's that time. I mean, we got Coop in the wings. We do. All right. Well, My man Coop. Yeah, do we want to guess where he's at? Yeah, where where in the world Coop is William Cooper? Yeah, but Coop hasn't been playing with us. Like, he's always been in the studio thing the last few times. I can confirm that he is playing with us this week. All right, library. I gave I'm, up trying to follow Coop around. I'm going library. I'm going the dining room where he had his best service that time. Ah, that's a good point. I should. I'm gonna that. do. I'm gonna do the library too. I see library as well. A lot of people are saying library. I'm seeing. Let's see, Allison saying dining room. I see. Where is Coop? Oh, well, people think, are just excited to see Coop. All right, I think it's time to bring him on. I think Alex got here. It, he right. is. Coop, where are you? The, the parlor. The dining parlor. room. Parlor. parlor. Did anybody even guess the parlor? No. Not one parlor. We forgot. <laughs> you know what, Coop? This is what we're going to do from now on. All right? Uh, you got to give us all the different options of where you could broadcast from. Yeah. And we're, right. we're going to list it before we ask so we can remember <laughs> the, all the different The guy lives in a 16-bedroom mansion in North Carolina. <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a list a mile long. Oh. It's, a, it's, a former, oh. it's a former plantation. That's Oh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not nearly as big as Hostess's factory, though. It's not 14,000 oh, square feet. <laughs> How's it going, Hostess? How are you doing, my man? Everything good? Quite good. Coop, Mike Bellity. Mike Bellity says that your house is huge. Look, look, Mike Bellity <laughs> goes in. You know that guy goes on vacations in the Netherlands Antilles on his own private island. There, I mean, so, <laughs> so <laughs> he's just must be nice. It must Mike, be nice being Mike Bellity. Yeah, Mike. Mike Bellity's one of the, one of the many people whose net worth went down after he went in the cigar industry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. Oh, that's great. It's Good. true. Long it is true. <laughs> long time no see. Long, long time no see. We had a great show Thursday night, Abe. Uh, God, we had a fa- big audience, too. Three hours long. I didn't get home like till like 2.30 in the morning. Yeah, because you were answering all those comments for like after the show. I, I saw you replying to all the comments uh, at like 2.30 in the morning. Yeah. I, yeah, I, so th- yeah, thanks. Uh, but it was a great show. We, we no. really had a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. It was great being on. Thanks for having me. So, Coop, what's the scoop? Tell us you got some good stuff. Um, it, it was a little bit of a slower week, but there is some stuff. You know, when we were on the show Thursday night, Abe, we talked about the whole Ford cigar company yeah. that spinoff at General. And there was some news yesterday that they are going to be selling um, the El Rico de Habano uh, line in their portfolio. They're not resurrecting this line. This was a line sold through JR and Santa Clara Cigars. But now it's going to be brought into the Ford's portfolio, and it's going to be available for brick and mortars uh, beginning in February. So let me give a little background because I, I, I'll venture to say half our listenership don't even know that brand. So El Rico Habano was a brand that was originally ro- rolled at Ernesto um, La Gloria Cubana factory down yep. here. And um, 
honestly, I think that was the first cigar. I, I think at the time it was like three dollars when it came yeah. out. It was the first cigar that got like it was really expected. It got a huge rating in aficionado. This is just when I was getting the cigars. And I remember, wow, look at this score for the. And I searched that cigar out. I didn't even know who Ernesto was. I didn't even know who Gregorio Cabana was. And then it kind of died out. And they tried to resurrect it at one point. I didn't even know that brand was still being made. So it, it probably just got pushed through the CI channel for the last God knows. It, it was going through JR. It was really uh, JR. Yeah. JR. Oh, JR. JR. I think yeah had had something to do with the mark there or something. I don't know. But yeah, it was being pushed through just just internet. So now they're trying to revitalize it as a brick and mortar brand. Yeah, they're not changing the blend. Or anything, they're just moving it now into the brick and mortar space. Abe, I remember when that cigar came out too. It was pretty early on. That was kind of a bolder cigar at that time. It was. It was it, for, for like, yeah, you think about it's maybe not full by today's standards, but back then, I remember that was advertised a very kick-ass cigar in terms of strength. It was. And I remember because I was just kind of getting into it, so I was like, I remember smoking <laughs> this, going, wow, you know. So, but I mean, I, I'm going back 25 years, maybe you know, 23 years, but. Yeah, it, and it it was always it just never broke through even with that aficionado rating, and I don't know why. Even when Ernesto had it, it, I think it just was always in the shadows of La Gloria Cubana. I think that was the biggest problem of it. Yeah, La Gloria Cubana took off, then Serie took off, and I think El Rico kind of just like I said went into the background at that point. Yeah, so that's interesting that they're uh, they're, they're so that that's going to be so that's going to be a, a forged brand. Is that what it is? It's going to be a forged brand right now. Yeah. And La Gloria is a part of the Ford's portfolio as well. Yeah. yeah. There were other brands coupe on there on the, on the portfolio, I believe, right? Yeah, they got Diesel uh, that's in there. Partagas is in there. Um, they have Bolivar in there as well. So uh, they got some other ones. Bolivar was another one I think that was being sold through other channels for a while. Yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of what happens sometimes if a brand doesn't take off and doesn't have any legs, then these companies that have their web outlets, it just comes in at what we call an internet brand. It only exists on the internet and you seldom ever see it in a brick and mortar store anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Are, they, are they normally uh, a better priced Abe when they're internet uh, specific brands? By, by the time they become an internet brand, if they're an internet only brand, it's, it's a deeply discounted, item i mean no, no one's selling eight dollar nine dollar sticks as an internet only brand it, you know, it can't survive so it's it, it they play the volume game at that point and just try to get it out to mm-hmm. bargain hunters and guys looking for deals and, and that's what happens yeah. to internet brand okay what else you got going on coop um so the miami cigar saga uh is continuing this past week, it was announced that Toscano, the Italian uh, manufactured cigars, the far-cured ones they have, um, they are switching their distribution from Miami Cigar, and they're actually going to be distributing it under their own subsidiary they have in the U.S. called Avanti Cigars, and that's going to happen in February. wasn't an unexpected move. You know, we, we the signs were there that that was beginning to be put in place. So, um, you know, last month, this was we reported that, or it was reported widely that, you know, Miami had downsized the sales force and, you know, now taking Toscano out of the portfolio, you can understand why some of this probably was happening. It, I tell you what, I find it mind boggling, to be honest with you, because, you know, there's very few 
there's very few long-term successful distribution deals I've seen in my career, right? Fuente Newman's one of them. Um, and we talked about this when we had Martinez on the show, uh, you know, the Hoya Drew Estate, which like when it happened, I'm like, oh, wow, this thing's never going to last. It's worked out beautifully and, and, and amazingly. And, you know, Miami La Aurora has just been one of those things. Like I, I never even thought that, that La Aurora would leave Miami as far as distribution. Be very interesting to what, what, what happens because look, La Aurora is one of the oldest. Yeah. Cigar brands. And, you know, they've had a couple very well-known hits, but just never been able to maintain the intention of the consumer, right? So they'll have a hit, they'll disappear, and just kind of the, the, their presence and or personality or connectivity to consumer base just hasn't been able to connect with that company. And um, I heard a couple of rumors of who they are talking to for distribution, and I tell you... It'll be interesting to see what happens. It's going to be very I've heard the rumors too, Abe. What was that? It's going to be very interesting. I've heard some rumors too. It's going to be very interesting. And, and nothing that I would say would, is an upward move. You know, that, that's I mean, the thing. I mean, the, the people who I, I've heard that, you know, they've been talking to is definitely, in my opinion, not an upward move um, of creating a better connectivity or a brick-and-mortar presence in the United States. So I'm a little surprised to be – very interesting to see what happens in this. In this yeah, uh, I mean, I imagine, saga. I imagine it's a, it's a tough move for them because they've been intertwined with Miami Cigar for so long, and they're all great friends. And Miami Cigars does a great job, so it's interesting to see what they're going to do next. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it. Um, that's definitely you mentioned it, Abe. That's one of those distributions you would have never saw coming yeah. a few years ago. I mean, I've seen the two companies interact together. There's a, there's a great synergy, but you know, Laura. A lot of people, newer cigar enthusiasts may not realize a lot of money behind that company. So, uh, are you kidding me? Yeah. Legendary legacy money behind that company. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. Mean, yeah. I mean, let's face it. I mean, that's why I never thought there'd be a problem because I got to believe, like, the cigar side business of the La Aurora, the, you know, the La Aurora family, it's got to be like the pennies that fall out of our pockets into the car into the yeah. vortex that we never even bother looking for. I mean, that's. The perspective of probably how La Roar is concerned with the revenue stream of the cigar, premium cigar side of their, you know, these guys own banks, Presidente Beer, you know, I mean, tobacco. I mean, they had the R.J. Reynolds deal down there. I mean, they just, just, just legacy, legacy, histories. Group, the Grupo Leon group is epic, you know. It's, it, they're they're huge in DR, of course. Yeah, it's it's a it's a, a very big family known in Dominican Republic as well. As Abe mentioned, they were in the beer with the Presidente. And they were in uh, with Philip Reynolds, Morris. yeah, RJ yeah, Reynolds. Reynolds, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, they're they're a huge, huge legacy family and company as well. And you mentioned it might be. The, I know that in DR they are the oldest company. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and listen, yeah. these guys wanted a distillery. They just bought one, like I think it was in Canada <laughs> or something, and stripped it down, and you know, made President Day beer. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah, yeah. Good, great beer, great beer though. You know, it was interesting. Uh, I was down at Pro Cigar last year, and I had a chance to spend an hour with Guillermo Leon, expecting to interview him. It was kind of the opposite. He ended up interviewing me and uh, Antoine from Tobacco Business, and he was really picking our brains on the U.S. market. And I kind of came out of that wondering if something was going to happen, just from the way he was asking us the questions, you know, which I did, that wasn't what I was expecting to go in there. And it was very interesting to, for him to ask us those questions. Somebody wanted to know that's a box of rare pinks over my shoulder, Mr. Anonymous on YouTube. 
don't worry. There's a lot of empty boxes in my office. That's where the empty <laughs> boxes go. Oh, yeah, they're stacked behind you, of course, of course. Yeah. So what, what else you got, Coop? Um, yeah. One other story, Um, just and this new cigar, or what's coming, what's old is what's new. Uh, Avo, uh, Davidoff announced that the Avo Classic, uh, Bellicoso size, is coming back this year. 6x48 Bellicoso cigar of the Avo Classic blend. It's going to be for a limited run. Um... You know, so you expect to see that in the stores next month. And I'm looking at the box counts as 2,025 count boxes. So there'll be plenty for everyone with that. I, I got to wonder, is this just a jockeying play for keep it in some kind of, uh, I don't know, trademark or predicate or what? And why, why bring it back and then why bring it back in a limited run? It's, it's not like a group. size. It's not. I mean, again, I'm not, I like the Avo Classic brand. The Bellicosa was not one that really stood out to me over the other sizes. So, you know, it's a, it's a good blend and stuff. And uh, Bellicosa is kind of an odd shape to just bring back because, you know, we talk about it a lot. Not one of the more popular sizes these days. So I'm wondering if, if I'm not sure what it, what the motivation is for that. Yeah, is it a test market release? Is it a legal issue? It's very curious. It's an odd move. Hmm. It was, well, at least it was, they did it as a, as a comeback and not a mysterious brand that turns out to be a comeback like the debacle the a couple of years ago. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, as Chad Johnson said, you know, it's a re release, so it's automatically disqualified from Coop's top 25. Right, right. Exactly. There you go. Uh, Abe, I'm going to get right. you in. And... Yeah, Abe knows the rules. Hey, Abe anybody, knows anybody who didn't catch that episode, there was a whole philosophical debate on what qualifies for Coop's top twenty-five. Yeah, See, Coop lives in a world now that I've dubbed as Coopsville. Where, yes, where, where, <laughs> where gravity works backwards, and you know people go on red lights, and that's just in Coopsville. Rainbows and unicorns. The last, after after the list I saw come out this past week, you want to talk about head scratchings? All I'm going to say, I, I would love to know. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> are, you, are you talking about the half wheel list? Well, no. I mean, actually, both the, the half wheel, the cigar snob. I was just, I was a little very surprised. I guess on the cigar, the cigar. I just didn't predict to see those cigars on there. I don't I, like I, to say one list is better than the other. I just sometimes wonder what makes those cigars make those, that list. Was my well, question. I didn't really do a deep dive. I just did a quick glance over. But I tell you what, I found very interesting about half wheel's list was, it's the top twenty five is made up of five different brands companies yeah it's crazy um yeah i mean it's just you go through that a lot though do you do you want to cap it or do you not want to cap it but, um, but i don't five, cap mine either five in the top 25 i mean and then one cigar was the same cigar in two different sizes that one was really odd because i think there's a point where you got to say pick one of the sizes that's yeah, what i would do yeah i found it very strange so I, yeah yeah, it was an odd I, one. I mean, I was looking at Cigar Snobs, and they had the Casa Cuba Divine Inspiration. Great cigar, right? It hasn't been in the stores for how many years? So I'm like, how did that qualify for a 2020 list was my question. Again, great cigar. I'm not knocking it. I just I didn't understand how it made that list. So there's a lot of head scratching. I saw it. Wow, look at uh, that. Wow. So, yeah, like, look, I said it on Coop's show, and I, I, I really think the only system that really, really, really makes sense is to do a top list every year of cigars that only came out that year and a second list called a, le a legacy list of any brand that's ever been made at any given time. And I, I just think that's the most logistical way to do it because, you know, if, if you don't have a legacy list and companies like Padron and Fuente, I mean, they're going to be out many years. Right. They're not releasing brands every year. 
Right. So you should have a legacy list, and you should have a, a, a top list should be a, a top annual list should be for cigars that come out that year. Yeah, the I mean, it's a good idea. The only concern I'd have with it is two lists. That's the only you know is the fact that now you have two lists. God forbid. Right, right. But I've seen some people have like six lists, so you know, two may not be that bad. It's it's logistical. It makes sense. It makes sense. It gives it gives the focus where it's merited. This focuses on everything that came out in this given year, and this focuses for all time cigars ever made that are still in production. Simple. Yeah. I like that idea, Abe. Actually, it's not a bad idea. That way you can you can filter out what is new and what has been here for years. It makes sense everywhere, but in Coopsville. No, I didn't say it, I I didn't say it didn't make sense. Like I said, uh, the the issue I would have is having two lists. That that's the only issue I would have. But I understand the rationale because there is a difference between what's the best performing cigar of the year versus what's the best best new cigar of the year. There is a difference. You hit me up with some hard questions the other night. I was I didn't know it was coming, so it was good. What what was a hard question I hit you up with? Well, like all the ones you asked me, what the the best cigar of the year would be, uh, the cigar manufacturer of the year. I mean, I wasn't ready for all that. Yeah, we we actually yeah we kind of did that. Uh, um, you know, we, we kind of sometimes like to throw people off. There were geeky questions. Like we could have really dived into some some geeky stuff. And I remember you were on with, on another show, and someone was asking you about really obscure boutique br- brands. I'm like, I'm not gonna go there with him. Right? <laughs> I, you, I remember you just said. I never heard of this brand. Like, <laughs> I was laughing because I knew that's how you were going to answer it. Well, so, because, so we tried to keep it high level. Because people forget, you know, look, my universe is I focus and dwell around what my consumers want, right? It's right. a retail mentality. I'm not really concerned about brands that no one's ever bought to my attention. Even if it's an awesome cigar, if none of my consumer base is talking about or interested in it, it doesn't require my attention. You're on the other hand, you smoke as a job and you need to kind of touch everything and, and, and bring that news to your audience. So it, we, we, we look at cigars two different ways. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So there, I mean, I, I totally get it from your world, but even I've had to do the last few years is like, now I, I've had to put some, some, uh, floors on number of stores you're in. I mean, it's just the reality of what I, I just can't put review a cigar if you're in five stores anymore. It's, it's, it's just too hard. It is hard. So it, it's just I can't too hard. Imagine. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine. I, I hate, I hate being like that. But there's only so much time I have to print, and yeah. I have to be able to, you know, generate revenue back from that too to, to meet my expenses. So, yeah, and there's there's an X amount of cigars you're able to physically smoke at the same time. Exactly. You're yeah, ex- cigars in. Exactly. Anything else you got going on, Coop? Um, like I said, that was it. It was a slower week this week for sure. All right. Are we doing the tail of the tape before or after the? Uh, Let's do it now. It's not on my outline, so I don't know. (laughs) Alex, Alex, how many times have you looked at the outline in the last week? Oh, come on! Now, now he has it in front of him. He 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 told me. What does the last week have to do with it? We 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 looked we went over our show notes yesterday, and now's the time where we actually use it and put it to effect. Listen, Alex. Alex told me a couple weeks ago. He's like, I don't even look at that thing. I don't know why we need it. That's not, that's, that's not true. Alex, Alex doesn't need as much as we do because we got to know what segments we're going to. So yeah. So for one for our newest episode, tale of the tape.
All right, Coop, going to need you to unmute your mic. So there is talk of a Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield 3. Once again, I'm going to be Debbie Downer. I have absolutely no interest in this fight, uh, less interest than I had in the Tyson-Jones fight. I think that we saw that um, from the first fight, there's really no competition to this fight. It's really not even entertaining. And although you bought into the nostalgia of the first fight, I have to believe that's gone for you at this point. Absolutely, Alex. Um, so, you know, look at, like, rematches and trilogies historically for a second. If those rematches and trilogies happen over a shorter period of time, they're usually more epic. But when you try to do this and try to recapture it after 9, 10 years, it fails, right? And I go back to, uh, you know, Leonard Hearns 2 is a great example. It was way too long for that rematch. Right. Now we're kind of putting it into this whole exhibition scenario with Tyson and Holyfield. And give, that would be, even if they were fighting under non exhibition rules, I'd question this. Now they're putting it into this, this whole, you know, what, I don't know what you want to call it. Like, um, I, you know, it's just, I don't think it's going to work either. I don't want to see it. I got, I captured the nostalgia with Tyson. With that and it's I don't need to see it again. And I don't need, I'll be answering, I don't need to see it with Holyfield. Right. Coop's All right, talking. that's it. Coop's talking. He's not looking at the clock. I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have the camera here. The camera's a little angled there. So. Yeah, that is our, <laughs> our new segment, Tale of the Tape. Well done, I love gentlemen. it. I like Good it. topic. Like Good topic. Yeah. That, and, yeah. And, and tonight's the, uh, the McGregor fight, too, huh? Yes. yes. Looking forward to that as well. Who's he, who's he fighting? That's a UFC fight. I know, but uh, who's he fighting? UFC? Anybody significant? I don't know. Or is it a layup? Is it a layup fight? He's had a lot of layup it's, fights. It's a rematch. It's a rematch actually from a guy named Daniel Portier or something like that. Yeah, Justin Dustin Poirier or something like that. Dustin, Dustin. Sorry, yeah, it's a rematch. But everybody's talking about it because of McGregor. Obviously, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not a UFC guy. Are you a UFC guy, Coop? No, I'm not a UFC guy either. Um, I'm you know, actually I keep, not that big of a UFC guy either. I see just the big fights. I'm more into boxing too, as well. Yeah, I'm into boxing. You're purist. Purist. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. All right. But before we close out this uh, 407 episode of KMA, let's see who belongs in this week's Star Insane Asylum. Welcome to the Cigar Asylum. Did you know I'm utterly insane? We all go a little mad sometimes. Where logic and reason cease to exist. Hey there. All right, everybody. This week's inductee was submitted to KMA by none other than the Secretary of State himself, Evan Darnell of the Red Meat Lovers Club. A man who's too scared to fly home because of COVID-19 has been found living in Chicago International Airport. Wasn't this a movie with Tom Hanks? <laughs> well, kind of. He, he was uh, in that movie. He couldn't leave the airport. They wouldn't right. let him into the States. Okay, but this was a movie with Tom Hanks, right? Yes. Yeah. Right. The terminal. It's called The Terminal. Right? Yes. Yeah. Oh. Aditya Singh, 36 spent three months hiding out before being arrested uh, the weekend in uh, Chicago O'Hare International Airport. The Californian was reportedly squatting 
in the security zone of O'Hare International, wearing a staff ID badge that he allegedly found and was surviving on food and handouts from fellow travelers. Singh arrived at the airport on a flight from Los Angeles on October 19th, the Chicago Tribune reports, but however, he just never left. I mean, do, do we know, did he leave the airport at any time? Like according to the report, according to the report, he did not, according to the report, they think he stayed the entire time getting handouts, was wearing a, a, a an employee badge. How do you afford the airline ticket if he can't survive and buy food? This is a weird story. He was arrested on yeah. Saturday after two United Airline employees noticed his identification was false and then alerted the police. He appeared in court Sunday, charged with misdemeanor theft and criminal trespass. He had a he had hidden in the airport because he was scared to go home due to COVID, said the state's attorney, Kathleen Haggerty, who explained that Singh had received food from other passengers. Is you can no stop one? there. Okay, the rest I, meant, I, I have the I have the rest cut, but I, I guess I didn't update it for her. Uh. The, the rest isn't important. Okay. Well, Mr. Singh, uh, fellow uh, terminal man, you definitely belong in this week's Cigar Insane Asylum. <laughs> That's crazy. That's can you imagine living three months in an airport terminal? Three months. And I, I guess you can't leave because if you leave and go out, you're never going to get back in through security and whatnot. You don't have a ticket. So, yeah, I guess well, it's I'm, weird, though. What I'm curious is he doesn't want to leave. Did he fly from L.A. to Chicago? Or was Chicago like a pit stop on his way back home? And he I said, well, I don't want to go to California. Let me hang out here for three months and wait out this pandemic. But it's weird, Abe. He wants to wait it out in a place where there's hundreds of people walking uh, to every day. In his defense, terminals are kind of, they've been a little shallow and empty. I don't know how busy, you know, airports have been, you know, back in October. I don't know. I don't understand. How, how does a guy go three months? I mean, does nobody say like, "Hey, what the hell is this guy still doing here?" Yeah. Especially if you see like in airports, like yeah. you, you think you'd be targeting strange things happening. But no, right. you're, you're hiding in plain sight, man. He's got an employee badge, so you just figure that's where he works every day. You know, I mean, right. you see him there every day. Oh, he works here, and then he goes hides and sleeps till the next day. He goes at one terminal, yeah. goes to the other terminal. <laughs> It looks like everybody else doing nothing working in an airport. Yeah. Exactly. So, <laughs> they're hiding in plain sight, man. They're hiding in plain sight. Well, listen, thanks to all our awesome fans all over the world, obviously, today for listening in. And we hope you made your Saturday morning here on KMA Radio. If you missed it, don't worry about it. You can always catch episodes on our YouTube and Facebook page. Hostos, thank you so much uh, for being on KMA Talk Radio. We wish you the best of luck Absolutely. in your new endeavor. I see nothing but great success for you in the future. Coop, as always, thank you for joining us from the parlor. Next week, it's a special. Where are they? Is it where are they at now, or what are they doing now? I can't remember the name. Where are you now? Where 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 are are they now? Where are they now? So we're going to find out where and what Fred Rui has been up to since he has departed from Ah, the cigar industry. My man, Fred. Fred. So I can guarantee you, it should be somewhat of a very entertaining show. Yeah, Bacon will be involved in that conversation for sure. I was just going to say, and in Bacon. And McRib. And McRib. I might have to yeah. come in with some <laughs> I might have to come in with some bacon that day just because. You have to do something. Have, <laughs> Alex, you gotta get the cut of your son and the bacon. We gotta okay. air that. We gotta air that next week. Yeah. Okay. It's like the most epic bacon <laughs> video I've Yeah. Fred is uh, like the most I bacon can't wait to see it. Yeah. 
He's a bacon aficionado for sure. Yes. So until next week, episode 408, you guys all have a great weekend. Keep it lit. Keep it lit.